Man, long time no see. How's it going, Richard? Uh, it's going good. It's going good. Do you remember the name of our podcast anymore? Uh, I believe it's Sugar from the Sky, and a lot of sugar has fallen since the last time we spoke. Yeah, that's that's true. We'll we'll have to uh, reintroduce our listeners because it's been it's been a little while. Yeah, I was looking at the uh, the last date. I think it was July twentieth, the last time we got together. So it's literally been three months. <laughs> well, we we went on hiatus during the NBA summer, so you know. Yeah, we did. We're they're back, and we're back too. So <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So for all our listeners out there, once again, I'm Michael Davis coming to you live from Mount Dora, Florida. <laughs> Uh, this is Richard Dumas coming to you live from Macon, Georgia. Although by the time you listen to it, it will not be live, but it is live at this current <laughs> second. <laughs> Depends on when you upload it. Exactly. If I do it tonight, then we can get it pretty close to live. We'll see how it goes. All right. Well, uh, since we just introduced where we're from, let's start with uh, the big rivalry game we've got on Saturday. Absolutely. I cannot wait. And for those of you that are not from the area that are tuning in, um, the Georgia Bulldogs, the number one Georgia Bulldogs in the country, I would like to add, are playing uh, my wife's Florida Gators this Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> so you are a house divided, literally. We are literally a house divided. And a quick, quick story, or not really a story, but just uh, what's going to happen this Saturday. Hillary has so little confidence in her team this Saturday that she is she is not canceling her book club meeting that is a a book club book club brunch that is going to take place during the Georgia Florida game not at your house though no not absolutely not at my house so she just doesn't want to be around you while the game's going on that's essentially what she has told me and okay. I, I i told her i mean are you absolutely sure because she knows just as well as everyone else how weird this game can be and how you can throw the rankings out the window a lot of the time and that she could absolutely just ruin our season potentially on Saturday, and she still wants no part of it. Yeah, see, I, I mean, I think it's going to be a good game. I don't think it'll be any different than usual. It'll, be, it'll depend on turnovers and momentum, and, um, you know, those games are always uh, pretty competitive into the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think so, too, and that's what I was telling her. I mean, you got to remember that, I mean, as well as we've played all year, I mean, keep in mind that we, we're still throwing a quarterback out there that has, what, eight, nine starts in his career, in his uh, college career at Georgia? Yeah, just uh, just a one on the road in front of fans, I think. Yeah, so, I mean, let's just put that into perspective for a second, that as well as Stetson Bennett has played, as well as his defense has played, as well as everyone has played, I mean – this is just a whole different animal. I mean, we're, it's a home slash road game at the same time. And it's an atmosphere like nothing I've ever seen before or been involved in. And for anyone to say that they don't feel a difference, you know, when this game comes around every Halloween is uh, not telling you the truth, quite honestly. Yeah. And uh, there's a report JT Daniels is practicing. So I don't know who necessarily will be the quarterback on Saturday, but I think that's, that makes it complicated uh, for both teams, really. Yeah. The, the unknown factor. Yeah, and it's tough because, you know, we've all seen what JT can give us. I mean, last year, finishing off the year the way he did, I mean, the momentum that he carried into, you know, into spring football, going into spring practices into the fall. And, I mean, you couldn't help but wonder, you know, what the ceiling was for this offense. And then he gets hurt. 
Um, Dominic Blaylock suffers, you know, setback after setback. I mean, obviously we know about his ACL, but now the groin's been acting up for a few weeks and, um, you know, just, you know, Gilbert just, you know, do we even know where Gilbert is these days? I mean, not that we don't have two uh, tight ends that are monsters. He's still listed on the roster. I don't know if he's attending school. <laughs> Bizarre story. That's for probably a different time. But uh, the fact is this offense isn't quite what we imagined coming into this season. I mean, not just our quarterback, but with some of our skilled receivers. And um, this is going to be a, a game that tests them, I think. And a game that, like you said, is going to be, you know, one-off turnovers and big plays and, you know, at the end of the day, um, we're going to have to rely on our defense again to make those deep, big plays, I, I imagine. Yeah, I, I don't think we've been tested much defensively. I thought Arkansas would be a test. I did, You saw that game on TV. I was at that game. So I don't know uh, how healthy the quarterback was for Arkansas, but KJ Jefferson did not look healthy to me. No, no, he looked absolutely three, four steps slower than what he normally is, and yeah, for anyone to say that he was uh, ready for that game, I mean, no, that, that wasn't KJ. So they're going to provide – I imagine we're going to see AR-15, Anthony Richardson. I, I believe so. I'd be pretty surprised if we didn't. Um, I think this is probably the game to roll him out there, to be quite honest. Um, or is I mean, it? <laughs> it? I mean, it could backfire, you know, big time. But I, I think this is the this is the game that – I mean, there's not there's not a whole lot of film out there on him. I mean, we've all seen him. I mean, in the SEC, I mean, you know who these backups are, especially the backups that are potentially going to be, you know, league winners one day. And, um, yeah, this guy, when he's on, is pretty special. Um, not to say that Emory hasn't had his, uh, his moments this year, but um, I think AR-15, as you said, can uh, bring some life, you know, to this offense that's been missing for a few weeks now. Well, they'll – Dan Mullen will pull out all the stops. I think we're going to see both of them. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't think you want to destroy the confidence of the freshman by putting him up against this Georgia defense uh, for a whole 60 minutes. So, I think we'll see him in bits and pieces. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he'll start, and I think there's going to be packages for both of them. Um, obviously, you know, Mullen knows that this is their Super Bowl at this point. I mean, the, the East is, you know, a long – a long gone dream at this point. So uh, to knock off number one, I mean, this is this is the this is their time. So I, I mean, to think they're not going to bring it, to think Mullen's not going to have some tricks up his sleeve, um, it, it's a scary game. I, I don't care what anyone says. I don't care about the records. I'm terrified and in coming into this Saturday, um, based on what I've seen, I shouldn't be. I've seen enough of both teams this year. Um, but yeah, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still, you know, on pins and needles for this game. Well, when you look at Georgia's schedule at the beginning of this season, you could pretty much pencil in Clemson, Auburn, and Florida would be the only teams that have the athletes to be able to play with this particular group of Georgia players. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. I mean, athletically, Georgia's going to outman every other team on the schedule. So, for that reason alone, Florida's dangerous because of what they can – I mean, they have NFL players on the roster. We play some teams that don't have NFL players. Yes, absolutely. So, regardless of how well they're being coached, especially on the defensive side, they're still dangerous. But, um, you know, I don't think that Florida's defense is going to provide a whole lot of resistance. When you factor in last year, uh, even in a game where Florida had probably a better – I don't know if they had a better team talent-wise, but they at least were comparable to Georgia last year. 
and Georgia missed all kinds of opportunities to put 50 on the board with the long passes that were airmailed and stupid turnovers. And so, I mean, we had we had totally incompetent quarterback play last year in that game, and we still scored 30-plus, I think. Yeah, I think we did. 28 or something like that. So, mm-hmm. I think Georgia's going to score points. Uh, I am nervous about the defense because I don't think that they've been tested to the extent that they will be athletically by Florida, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a good uh... – you know, like you said, it's just a good test overall because, I mean, at some point, I mean, we know we're going to run into Bama in the SEC title game. I, I know the I know the West isn't a foregone conclusion yet. I know there's still, you know, crazy things that can happen. But, I mean, I think we all know that Bama's going to get out of the West at the end of the day. Um, you know, we're, we, we need this. I mean, we need to have our front seven not get there every single pass rush and see how these guys hold up for more than two and a half seconds. So I, I'm excited to see what they can do because I, I think that, like you said, this will be the game where they are going to have to, you know, be alone, you know, potentially on islands for more than a second or two. So um, I'm excited to see what they can do. I mean, I, I think we know the talent that they that they have, but we just haven't seen it on Saturday yet. <laughs> well, how uh, you see Florida more than I do? Do you think their offensive line can hold up against our front seven? at times I think they can, I mean, especially run blocking. I mean, there's been times where, see, I I just don't know because I feel like Florida hasn't faced anywhere near the front seven that they're going to face this Saturday. So it's kind of hard to project, but I feel like based on what I've seen, I think there's going to be moments where, you know, they're going to make some plays. There's going to be some, some chunk gains, um, not just in the passing game, but potentially in the running game too. And I think there's going to be, you know, not a time that, you know, we have to, you know, break a sweat, um, but there's going to be a gut check time to see exactly, you know, what we're made of because we thought we were going to get it with Arkansas and because KJ was kind of down and out, we didn't get it. Um, to be honest, I think me and you both know we weren't going to get it from Auburn just because of the Bo Nick situation and, you know, kind of everything that's fallen him around him all year and frankly his whole career at Auburn. But, but I think Emory is going to provide enough plays as well as Anthony Richardson um, at the end of the day. I think there's going to be some turnovers, too. I mean, I think they are turnover prone. I think that's pretty obvious based on what everyone's seen this year. But um, there are going to be some plays out there for him, I think, at the end of the day. Well, last year they killed us on wheel routes. Which, oh, I mean, it seems – it seems incomprehensible that you could win a game exclusively on wheel routes, but that's almost what happened last year where they had some running backs against our linebackers. I think we're a little bit faster at linebacker this year, even though that doesn't make much sense because we have some of the same personnel. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's still that's still not a very advantageous matchup for us. But I do think uh, – I mean, we've got five linebackers that are legitimate NFL draft picks, and I don't think anybody else can counter that too often. No, I don't think so either. And, you know, N'Kobe Dean is just taking this whole step up and just, I mean, he's all world right now, you know, as far as where he is, you know, from sideline to sideline and, you know, rushing the passer as well. So I, I feel like we're more prepared as well for some of those, you know, not gadget plays. I mean, I wouldn't call a wheel route a gadget play, but it kind of it kind of presented itself that way last year because we just had no clue. 
No, but Trask is more accurate than what they have at the quarterback position this year. So I don't know if they're going to hit as many of those, even if they got open. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, Emory, I mean, and we don't really know the touch that Anthony Richardson has yet. We've seen it in very small bits and pieces, but um, it's definitely going to be a different game plan this Saturday as opposed to last year. So I don't think we can really go off of last year's, you know, film and game tape and come to a conclusion of what we're going to do this game in order to slow them down. I think it's a completely different, you know, thing that Dan Mullen's going to roll out there. Um, like I said, especially knowing that this is, you know, their Super Bowl. You know, this is what's going to make or break their season at this point, considering they had pretty high expectations and um, those have kind of gone by the wayside. Yeah, no, uh, no Kadarius Tony or Kyle Pitts to deal with certainly helps things for Georgia. Yeah, absolutely. Those guys are just just monsters, and I mean, we've seen what Kyle has done his past couple games in a Falcons jersey, and the future is bright for him. And Kadarius Tony is just a mismatch, you know, anywhere you put him on the field. So, I mean, no matter what, you got to like our chances, you know, this Saturday against our skilled players you know, more this year than last year. Uh, yeah, you would think. I mean, last year we had Eric Stokes was a first-round draft pick, and Tyson <laughs> Campbell was an early second-rounder at corner. Uh, and Stokes had a pick six in that game. He was definitely not the problem. No. And I don't think Campbell was in that game either. Like I said, they kept getting wide receivers on our on our uh, linebackers. Mm-hmm. And Kirby, for whatever reason, maybe because LeCount was out, our dime package wasn't was kind of non-existent in that game. Mm-hmm. So I don't. This year will be interesting. We're still thin at DB, um, as far as experience, anyway, and probably personnel-wise too, numbers-wise. So yeah, you, I mean, we pretty much play four linebackers as almost a standard package with Anderson coming down as the fourth down lineman on rushdowns. But uh, I don't know if you can play that package and get away with it because last year we didn't. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I mean, it just it's going to come down to whether we can rattle Emery, uh, whether we can, you know, <laughs> keep AR-15 in the in the uh, in the tackle box when he starts moving outside or trying to move outside. So, I mean, when these guys get outside, they can make some plays. I mean, I mean, they get a lot of they get a, a lot of hell, a lot of hate based on some of the decisions they make. But um, they're pretty scary when they get on the move and <laughs> and do what they do. So. We'll we'll see what happens. I mean, our linebackers are going to have to, you know, play the best game they've played all season, in my opinion. I mean, this is this is going to be their first really true test. You know, nothing against Kentucky and you know Arkansas and those teams, but um, I think Florida's still a step above some of these teams that we've beaten so far this season. Well, they hung with Alabama. I mean, not anybody. A and M's the only other team that can really say that. So. Yeah, uh, they exactly. they've got a lot of talent they put on the field. Yeah, and you know that's why you just you, you got to throw the win loss records out for a game like this because we know how talented they are. Um, they know how talented we are. I mean, we know all the personnel on their team. I mean, there's no doubt they know all the personnel on our team. I mean, that's just that's what Georgia Florida is all about. So, um, yeah, it'll come down to a few big plays. You know, a turnover here or there. Um, and I think the spread, you know, it's funny. I don't, I don't usually bring up spreads in a game like this, but as much as we've dominated teams throughout this season and, you know, how little, how few points we've given up and the fact that we're number one in the country and riding this humongous wave right now, we're still only 
I still, I say still only, but only 14 point favorites. Um, people know this is going to be a tough game. Yeah. Four, I mean, 14 is about as thin as you would think that line would be. Yeah. ESPN's little, uh, index power index thing said it's like georgia's got an 80 percent chance of winning i'd say that's pretty accurate yeah i think so too i think that's pretty fair for both sides um should we win absolutely i mean we're more complete on both sides of the ball right now um, we're playing at a higher level i mean there's you can't really make any argument either way um but you know this game has a weird way of uh <laughs> producing a different outcome so um can't wait but nervous excited all at the same time well, if you look at if you look at just the roster and personnel, if you say should we win, we could be playing any team in America, and that should be the answer. It should be yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. With um, the exception of Alabama's got a much better QB situation than we do, but that's about. But we we probably have a better situation than them at almost every other position, but wide receiver. So. Yeah, I, I was about to say that. I think the only position we lack is quarterback and wide receiver. And, you know, wide receiver, no fault to our own. I mean, if we had Pickens and Blaylock, um, I think we would, you know, be right there with them. Or even Burton um, and Jackson. Or, yeah, even Burton and Jackson. I mean, it is it, – it's been the typical next man up mantra as far as wide receivers go um, this year. And, you know, to their credit, they have. I mean, everyone from Brock Bowers um, all the way up. I Lad mean, McConkey. Yeah, I can't forget – oh, man, how can I forget Lad McConkey? I mean, what a – what a folk hero so far this year. <laughs> Plays that North Georgia high school football. I'm, t- I'm telling you. So you, you can't say enough good things about these freshmen that have just come in and just, you know, taken on the role that they've needed to take on. I mean, sure, we haven't needed to score a lot of points in any of our games. But, I mean, when we need big plays or, you know, the game was, you know, still a close game, you know, midway through the first or whatever. And, I mean, you never know what happens. And, you know, lad bust a 40-yard catch and run. And, you know, it, it's fun to watch. And, you know, I, I, I hope we get Dominic Blaylock back. I, I hope all these weapons come back and are healthy, Kiris Jackson being one of them. Um, I mean, obviously, Pickens, I think, is a pipe dream. I mean, we'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, we're going to need all these guys eventually. Um, don't know if it'll be this week, but at some point um, we'll get the ultimate test, whether it's against Bama um, or against somebody else in the national title game. We'll see. Um, but yeah, definitely exciting times, uh, for a Georgia fan. That's for sure. So you're down there. Um, now Florida fans have to be a little distracted by Mike Norvell and Manny Diaz and, uh, Gus Malzahn and some other stuff going on, but how hot will Dan Mullen's seat be if Georgia puts it on them pretty good Saturday? I'm glad you brought that up because I'm not saying it's a, it's a do or die situation for Dan, but I, I think if we run them out of the, the stadium and those fans empty out around halftime and we're looking at a 40 to seven type game, you know, going into the fourth quarter, um, <laughs> there's, there's going to be some big time rumblings. I, I really think there's going to be. That being said, I don't think, I think he'll be back next year. Um, regardless. I, I honestly think. Is it his wait. charming personality? It's definitely not that. I'll tell you that. Okay. <laughs> I, I think they're going to want to see what he can do with Anthony Richardson, just based on the fact that he's had quarterbacks, you know, such as Dak and whatnot, that he's been able to, you know, bring, you know, coach up and, you know, bring to a whole new level. And if Anthony Richardson is that guy, 
is potentially, you know, better than Dak, um, you know, better than everyone else that he's brought up. I think they want to give him that chance. Um, obviously, if he is back next year and they, <clears throat> excuse me, they underperform and Richardson doesn't take that next step or look very good, um, then I think the alarm bells are going to start going off. Let me uh, let me backtrack for one second on something you said. All right, so I agree that Dan Mullen has a reputation of being a QB whisperer, and I think it's a valid one. Uh, I mean, who else could have gotten Kyle Trask to the level he got him to? Yeah. And but, Nick Fitzgerald. But, and Nick Fitzgerald and Tim Tebow and whoever else. <clears throat> but you're a Cowboys fan. Are yes. you crediting Dan Mullen with Dak Prescott being good enough to be one of the six or seven best quarterbacks in the NFL? Because, I mean, <laughs> his talent yeah. level is pretty high. Yeah, I'm not going to – I'm definitely not going to go that far. You know, I'll give Dan his, his his due credit as far as, you know, seeing something in Dak and putting him in a system where he can succeed. Um, but Dak, I mean, I think it's pretty evident, you know, from what we've seen throughout Dak's career, not just in the NFL but in college, that he's willing to put in the work to do whatever he needs to do to reach that next level. Um, I'm not sure everyone knew that about Dak. I mean, coming out of Mississippi State, I mean, generally, you don't hear or see a lot of stories coming out of Mississippi State. That's just, you know, the fact of the matter. Um, but, no, it's not all on, all on Dan. I mean, Dak has taken upon himself to get to that elite status and to be the quarterback that he is today. Um, I think Dan just kind of guided him in the right direction and, you know, showed him what he can do um, going into the next level, I think. Because he became a much more accurate thrower once Jason Garrett got a hold of him. Yeah, he really did. He really did. And, um, yeah, <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, anything else in college football caught your attention? We haven't talked since the season started. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things you could bring up. But one of the things that I I was texting, um, I think it was, it was the uh, – I was with Nate and Pat and all of them texting back and forth, and we were talking about the rankings and whatnot. And I said the week prior um, – when Alabama not slot them behind Oklahoma. Um, I've seen enough of Oklahoma to know that they are not <laughs> the third or fourth best team in the country. And, you know, I wasn't surprised that, that Alabama got slotted behind them because I, I know you have to value wins and losses, especially when you only have 10 or 11 games. I get how important every single game is. But I think the hype around Oklahoma is the big thing that I was going to bring up that, man, that defense is just absolutely broken. And we heard so much going to the season that the Oklahoma defense was, was brand, brand new. And, you know, they just had this, this new, you know, you know, fierceness and they were just going to play like something we had never seen out of the big 12. And it was com complete disappointment. I mean, they're just as bad as ever. I, I mean, the Heisman quarterback, you know, all the Heisman hype around, um, Spencer Radler just completely just out the window. I mean, he looks completely lost out there. And now he's lost his job. And, and, and now the Kansas game last week. I mean, what an embarrassing first half that was for an Oklahoma fan. Um, you know, granted, they came back and won. But it, the fact that Oklahoma isn't where we, we thought they were going to be really sets it up for, I think, there are just two teams in the country that can win this national title. And I, it's Georgia and Alabama. No disrespect to Cincinnati. Yeah, I'm not willing to go there yet. Um, I, 
you give Nick Saban or even I mean I know Kirby gets a isn't a strategist necessarily by reputation he's a recruiter but I think you give Kirby Smart a month to scheme a defensive game plan uh, that would be an advantage to Georgia as well in a semifinal game against a team like that but I mean I'm not disregarding Ohio State. No, I, I mean I'm I guess I shouldn't say I'm disregarding them. I just. <laughs> I feel like they've come on in the past couple of weeks, especially offensively. Well, they played um, garbage, but I think we can we're, we're going to learn more as the year goes on. But they're bound to get better with this freshman playing quarterback. Yeah, they are, and like you said, we are going to find out a lot. I mean, this is the meat of their schedule is approaching. I mean, it's Michigan, it's Michigan State. I mean, they still got Penn State, correct? This week, yeah. Yep. So I, I mean, we'll find out a lot. I mean, I'm not dismissing them. I mean, do I think they're going to take an L somewhere along there? I do. I think they're going to take one. I think they're going to drop out. Um, you know, with two losses, it's hard to make the top four. I mean, we've seen it time and time again, no matter how, you know, how good you are. Um, All right, that, so who, who's going to beat them? Because uh, they're 18.5-point favorites against Penn State on Saturday. Yeah, well, I'm not going to give Penn State much of a chance. Um, that was a pretty crushing loss this past Saturday, uh, plus Clifford. Um Obviously, may not be back. Even if he is back, I'm not sure it's going to make too much of a difference. If he's not back, I saw the backup play Iowa. You don't want him playing. You really don't. I mean, obviously, <laughs> I think it's weird to count out Michigan State. I know everyone – Michigan State is the biggest unknown, I think, in the country. I, I feel like yeah, they, no one They has, may not even be good. They may not be good. So, I honestly, I don't know what to pick in that game. Because D'Antonio um, wasn't exactly killing the recruiting trail those last two years he was at Michigan State. No. No. So, I mean, they've – I mean, they're, they're surpassing everyone's expectations and then some. So, honestly, I, I can't really form an opinion on that. Um, you're obviously saying Michigan. I, so, when it comes around – Your to, other options are Maryland and Indiana. Yeah. I, I'm going – yes. To, to answer it. I'm going with the big game. I'm going to go Michigan. I'm going to say Michigan knocks them off. So, just Michigan go undefeated? <sighs> yeah, well, They got to so. get out of East Lansing Saturday, they got, I guess. They got to get before. out of they, – yeah, they got to get out of East Lansing. Um, like I said, I, I don't know what's going to happen in that game. I really don't. But I'm going to go out on the limb and say Michigan takes down Ohio State. Um, I'm going to say they take down Michigan State as well. They got to go on the road to Happy Valley, I think. Yeah, and you know that that could be the you know the game changer. Obviously, I, I'm not sure what we're going to get with Michigan with uh, Penn State anymore. Um, you know, they've pretty much bowed out of the uh, national title race at this point. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I really don't know. But I, I feel like if I have to pick one, I'll pick Michigan. And then you know, all all hell breaks loose if Michigan takes down Ohio State, and then Michigan drops um, their game to Penn State. Well, I haven't seen all these teams. I'm just going off what I know about their personnel. If Michigan can cover Olave and Wilson, I'll be shocked uh, because they haven't covered Ohio State receivers in 20 years. And these are two first-round draft picks. It's a valid point. <laughs> so, I don't see anybody beating Ohio State. And, I, I mean, I, I really don't in the Big Ten. And I don't think I was going to beat them in a conference championship game. And I sure don't think Row the Boat's going to beat them either. <laughs> <laughs> if that's who they play, uh, no, I... or Purdue, or any of those other teams. Mm-hmm. So, I think we're going to get the team that nobody ever wants to see back in the college football playoff. 
And I think they're dangerous. And I think Oklahoma's dangerous too because I think Caleb Williams is a difference maker. Yeah. Yeah, I've, what I've seen from Caleb Williams, I mean, there's a reason he's he's the the recruit that he is. I mean, we wanted him. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, there's nothing that I've seen, you know, that says that I still don't want him. I mean, he he looks that good. I mean, uh, you can't judge a man by one bad half, obviously, against Kansas. Um, he's going to make some plays, but at, at the end of the day, I've seen enough of that defense to know that when they need a big stop, they're not going to get it. They're just not going to get it. Well, so who it, beats them? I mean, you get your options are going to be Baylor, Iowa State, or Oklahoma State. Who beats them? Oh, I'm not saying Oklahoma's not going to make the playoff. Oh, uh, you think they'll go undefeated? Yeah, I think they're going to run the table from here on out. And you don't um, think that makes them dangerous come December 31st? I'm not saying I'm not saying they're not dangerous. Any team that makes the 14 playoff is only two wins away from a national title. Okay, but they've they've got to shore up some things on the defensive end. I mean, they just it, it, it's gas. Maybe they don't. Maybe it's got to be like sixty to fifty-five. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that'll have to be the way it is. I mean, it really will. But I mean, they tried that against us. I mean, they, I mean, Baker Mayfield was slinging it around the entire game. It wasn't good enough. It I mean, almost they, was. Though. It it almost was, but you know, almost doesn't get you to the national title game. So it, it we'll see. Been, it wasn't good enough against LSU two years ago. Yeah, and, I mean, so I mean, they're going to have to show something else to me for me to be a believer, but. I've seen enough of their games this year. I watched enough of the Tulane game, the Texas game. I saw some of the Kansas game. I mean, Oklahoma State and Iowa State, I mean, they're each going to put 40 on them. I have no doubt about it in my mind. So I I just – in the end, when they need a stop, I just don't think they're necessarily going to be able to get it. And I have that much confidence, you know, in us and Bama to potentially get a stop when we need it at the end of the day. All right, so we're at midseason. Who, uh, if I, I assume we both agree, we've talked about this privately. We both agree we think Georgia's going to the playoff. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I'm pretty confident too. Who are the other three teams right now? Um, right now, I, I've got. Who, who would you predict? I mean, not where, not who would be in it right this second, but who do you think is going to be in it come December? I, I think we'll be in it. I think Cincinnati's going to finish running the table, and you know if they do, they, I mean, they deserve it. I mean, let's put them in. I mean, you sure. I, I I think so. I don't I think mean, they deserve it based on who they've beaten, but I do think having seen them up close in the bowl game last year, they are legit. Yeah, they're absolutely legit. And the reason that I say they deserve it is not because of who they've played, but because of how everyone has looked behind them. Okay. I mean, if if Cincinnati goes undefeated, I don't think you necessarily put a. I mean, you could put a one loss Ohio State over them. I I could I could see that because well, that'll the end, be. That'll be something in Ohio if that happens. It, it really would be, but if Ohio State runs, you know, the table because I mean this this is their this is their season right here. I mean this is the meat. This is everything. I mean, so you could potentially put them over them, but at the end of the end of the day, I'm going to say Georgia, Cincinnati, Alabama, and Oklahoma. How does Alabama get in if Georgia beats them in the championship game? I'm I'm assuming you're saying they don't. No, I think that's a good question. Um, I think a, <laughs> depending on how the season shakes out, I think a two-loss Bama team can get in. Hmm. It, I don't I mean, know. What if, if, uh, what, if, what if A&M finishes with two losses and they can say we beat Bama head-to-head? Well, I mean, they got an argument. But at the same time, I mean, you got to look at who you lost to. I mean, while I know that 
you know, Bama lost at Kyle Field. Um, you know, who are A&M's losses right now? Arkansas and Mississippi State. All right. Well, Arkansas, I mean, they've kind of nosedived a little bit lately. Mississippi State, I mean, been, you know, pretty much. I don't know much. how they lost that game. Yeah, don't know either. Um, Mississippi State's been, you know, up and down all season. Um, I think at that point, maybe you throw out the head-to-head loss and you base it on who you think is the better team. Um, I think nine times out of ten, Bama beats A&M. I, so – so you're, uh, but but didn't you just say you thought Oklahoma was going undefeated? Yeah, I think Oklahoma goes undefeated. Okay, so you don't think the Big Ten champs going to get in? I think there's a chance they don't. Mm. I think the Big Ten champ gets in unless it's like a two-loss champion or something. I think the I think they've proven this. Well, I don't know what they've proven because they only play themselves, but they seem to be deep enough that. Uh, especially that division that has Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, the same division. Somebody that comes out of there, you would think, probably gets in the playoff. I mean, I mean yeah, you would think so. But at the same time, I mean, you know, we kind of just talked about it. We don't know how good any of these teams are yet. I mean, Penn State just lost, you know, another heartbreaker. I mean, and well, Iowa, I, Iowa just lost you, to Purdue. You can throw out a game settled by two-point conversions. I mean, I agree they lost, but they could have just as much won that game. They could have, but you can't lose at home to Illinois. I agree. Yeah, I mean, you, you just you can't do it and still be in that conversation. No, I don't um, think they should be in the conversation, but I think no. they're going to get beat by those other teams anyway. <laughs> no, I, I'm just saying if Ohio State slips up somewhere, if, and, you know, Michigan State proves that, you know, they're you know not this top 10 team that they currently are ranked at, and then let's say Michigan, you know, drops the, you know, drops the Big Ten championship game. Um. I, I'm just saying the possibility exists in my mind that Bama still gets in with two losses. And I'm not saying that Bama's gonna gonna lose against us in the SEC title game. I think if we run the table and we lose the SEC title game, we will absolutely not get penalized and knocked out of that four spot. Man, that'd be brutal for Georgia to beat Alabama and Alabama still get in a playoff. It it really would be, but have to see know, them again. I it really would be, but I'm telling you I, the scenario exists in my mind, at least. I think it I exists, see... but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. I don't think I don't think the country's pining to see Alabama again. <laughs> Even if we honestly think they're one of the, we can always say they're one of the four best teams. I mean, any any given year, because of the personnel on their roster, they're one of the four best teams. But if they didn't earn it, I mean, they didn't get in two years ago when they had yeah. Tua. It's I mean, it's fair. It's fair. And, I, and I mean, at the end of the day, they should have won at Kyle Field. I mean, they shouldn't have lost that game. I, I mean, but it, it is what it is. And, yeah, that makes the SEC title game pretty much a must-win game for them. Um, but I think the, there's an outside possibility. But I'm going to say I, – I'm a, obviously, I'm a Georgia fan. And I'm going to say – this pains me. But I'm going to say that we lose the SEC title game and end up number number three or four. I don't know if we'll fall to four, but I think we'll fall to three or four, obviously. Oh, I think that, that scenario certainly exists. I don't agree, though, the scenario that they could lose twice and still get in the playoff. Barring, you don't think so? Barring complete catastrophe everywhere else. Yeah. I mean, just it would be the exact same scenario that we had with Georgia in 18 when we lost the heartbreaker to Alabama and tried to argue we belonged in the playoff. Well, the committee said you don't. It's fair. I do remember that. 
It was very painful. And we were <laughs> we were rolling along and whooping everybody, and we had Bama all but beat. Yep, we did. So this would have to be the same scenario. Alabama would have to have Georgia dead and buried and somehow lose the game. And then people say, oh, we want to see a rematch. Well, mm-hmm. I don't think the committee wants to see a rematch. I don't. I think – I think they've taken enough flack from all these other conferences for being SEC centric. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, but I do think the scenario exists that if they win the championship and Georgia goes twelve and zero and obliterates everybody on the schedule and loses to them, they'd let two in. But I don't think they would any other scenario. Yeah, and I think that's more than a more than fair possibility. I mean, I'm not willing to say that you know Bama's better than us right now. I mean, I think we're playing at a higher level than just than everybody at this current time. Um, I can't yeah. tell because I think they can do some things to hurt our defense. So I, I can't really tell, to be honest with you. I will say Stetson Bennett hung pretty tough with them in Tuscaloosa last year, and they had a much better team last year than they do this year. So, Yeah, he did. I mean, that, that was a really good first half. I mean, I mean, it kind of – the wheels came off a little bit, you know, middle to late part of the third quarter. But, I, I mean, what do you expect? <laughs> Well, the pipe the pipes busted because uh, Jalen Waddle went ninety on Tyson Campbell, and everything went downhill from there. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, presumably, I think we'd have a much better shot against them this time. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I think we're going to get that matchup. We'll find out. Uh, I would I would be scared if I'm Georgia to lose that game. Assuming we beat Florida, anyway, I would be scared to lose that game and be twelve and one. But like you said, I do think uh, the rest of the the rest of the teams don't look good enough for Georgia not to get in. Yeah, and and that's the main reason why I feel okay is I mean if we take care of business, obviously we got to take care of Florida, and then obviously the rest of the schedule shouldn't be much of a problem. I mean, let's just let's call it what it is. Josh Heupel's uh, doing a good job at Tennessee. He is, but he I is. don't and think was... it's good enough to beat us right now. No, not right now. Not right now. They played as well as you could have possibly hoped against Bama. I mean, that was a that was a seven-point game at one point in the fourth, was it not? Yeah, I think so, very early in the fourth. So, hey, but that's something. <laughs> it is, it is. At so, Alabama. Yeah, I mean, didn't finish the deal, obviously. The wheels came off in, in, in the last six, seven minutes. But, um, yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely a scary team. Can't take anyone for granted in the SEC except Vandy, obviously. And you got to um, be worried the golf balls might come out and the mustard might come out, and you still know what will happen at Neyland. <laughs> you really don't. <laughs> we, we've, seen, we've seen firsthand what happens at Neyland. We've seen some ACLs get torn at Neyland. We've seen a lot of things at Neyland. We have, so not, not a whole lot of good things. So, you know, definitely won't jump ahead too far. But if we take care of business, go 12-0, and and, you know, we lose to Alabama, and we don't lose to Bama by, you know, 30, it's a competitive game. Um, there's no way the committee drops us from, you know, number one, you know, all all the first place votes to outside the top four, in my opinion. All right. Well, I'm going to say Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Cincinnati. And I think if Oklahoma – I mean, if Alabama beats Georgia, I think Cincinnati gets knocked out. You think so? You think Cincinnati, who they have at number two right now, if they finish running the table, they're going to knock them out of the top four? Yeah, because Cincinnati's schedule matched up against those other teams isn't going to compare when it comes time at the end of the year. I, I agree with that. I mean, I, I'm, I'll am i never disagree with the whole schedule argument, but the one thing I will say is then why put them at number two right now in the season? Because I, I mean, the committee's not doing that. We don't know what the committee thinks yet. I don't think the committee will have them at two. 
Yeah, I, I mean, they, they don't have bolsters or rewarding them for hanging with Georgia in a game that wasn't played this year. I mean, I mean that's that's fair. I mean, but Desmond Ritter had some Heisman, you know, hype behind him going into the season too. Yeah, and but the, he hasn't. I mean, played like it. No, he hasn't. I mean, the the defense is you know pretty solid. I mean, they they went into Notre Dame. I mean, I mean, obviously Notre Dame isn't you know that marquee victory. If you know, Notre Dame goes eleven and one, then they'll have a better case. I don't know that Notre Dame's going to go eleven and one. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Cincinnati is completely on the Notre Dame bandwagon <laughs> right now. I mean, I just I, I have a hard time seeing them leaving a team that's ranked number two in both polls, sizably too. It's it's a pretty good distant number two lead, um, and yeah, knock but, them out. Yeah, but you just told me that Ohio State hadn't played their schedule yet. Oklahoma really hasn't either. They play Texas, but they hadn't played anybody else. So you don't think if Ohio State beats Penn State, Michigan, and Michigan State that they won't jump Cincinnati? I mean, Ohio State definitely deserves to be. The pollsters love Ohio State. Oh, I know. And and by all means, if they knock down, if they knock out that gauntlet in the last four, you know, weeks, and win the Big Ten championship, then yeah, then I, then yeah, they probably should go to number two, and Cincinnati should drop to number three. But (laughs) it's just. All the chatter you hear every year about not giving these these schools these you know these schools a chance, and now this school is finally to that point where they have solidified their spot in the top five, and now in the top two, and we're still going to leave them out at the end of the day. I just think no one will ever get a chance at that point, and at that and if that's the case, then let's just you know stop stop inviting Power Five schools into this contest or non Power Five schools, I should say. That's what the SEC would like to have happen. No, um, yeah. <laughs> the, no, I just don't think they'll be ranked number two, even if they're undefeated at the end of the season. I agree with you. If they're ranked number two in the AP poll, they're going to be in the top four in the playoff. I just don't think – I think they're going to get jumped by a bunch of those one-loss teams. Yeah, and, I mean, you might be right. I, I really don't know how they're going to go into it. But I, I feel like they, if there's ever going to be a year to give a non-Power 5 school a chance in this playoff, you know, why not now with all these teams – looking pretty shaky at best, to be quite honest. I mean, obviously there's still a lot of time left to go in the season, but man, Ohio State looked pretty rough to start the season. They're turning it on. Oklahoma has looked rough the entire season. <laughs> and, and I mean, Penn State, I mean, they were right there too. Iowa, I mean, yeah, Cincinnati had to jump all these teams, but these teams all lost and lost looking pretty badly. So, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like this is the year to give them a shot. And if and if you're not going to give them a shot, then, I mean, what are we doing, even ranking these non-Power 5, you know, schools in here? So, anyway. You've made a good argument for Cincinnati. I just – I don't think that uh, – I don't think the committee's going to see it that way, but we'll see. I'll be surprised if they don't. If they run the table and, and, and the chaos continues – or not even necessarily chaos. I mean, if – if these schools that are these one loss schools behind them are just looking just shoddy, I mean, if Oklahoma is hanging on for dear life, you know, two or three more times that they have been this entire season. I mean, if Ohio state, you know, drops another one and, and I, I don't know, I, I, I feel like, I feel like this is the year for them to get a shot. I hope they get the shot. Um, do I agree with you that the schedule leaves a lot to be desired? Of course. I mean, yeah, they they should go out and try to schedule more, and I'm sure they do. I'm sure they tried. I'm sure they tried. Nobody wants a piece of Cincinnati. I mean, they know how good Cincinnati is. Uh, Notre Dame found out firsthand how good Cincinnati was. Um, 
So I don't know. We'll we'll see. I, I think they get in if they run the table. If they don't, then <laughs> I, I don't know what to what to say at that point. It's really hard to know about scheduling because they set those schedules so far in advance. Mm-hmm. You don't even know if Luke Fickle was the coach when the AD made the schedule, however many years ago it was. So uh, you know, I don't know yeah. who they tried to play and who they didn't. I do know that games against teams that are dangerous like that are not necessarily inviting for the big schools. Yeah, exactly. In. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, why? I mean, we have to run through a gauntlet of you know Florida, LSU, Bama, Mississippi. Ole Miss, I mean, you know, the list goes on and on. A and M, I mean, no. Why would we want to play Cincinnati? I mean, I didn't want to play Clemson this year. <laughs> well, the and the problem is that well, when Georgia beats Clemson, it gets validation from the fan base. But if your fan base, you don't get anything for if you beat Cincinnati, they say you're supposed to beat them. Yeah, exactly. There, there's absolutely it's, it's a there's nothing to gain. Exactly. No, there's zero to gain from nothing for that you game. to gain. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Nothing for yeah. the power schools. Yep. So I mean. Yeah, I get it on both sides. I get it that power power five schools don't want to play these Cincinnati's of the world. It, it, so it, it sucks. I mean, it sucks to be Cincinnati. It's, it's really going to suck if they get left out. If they go undefeated and get left out, that will be a tough blow for them. But I, the only my only scenario is if Oklahoma either has zero losses or maybe one close loss and they win the conference and Ohio State wins out. Because I agree with you, They're, Ohio State's not a two-loss. Ohio State's not getting in over Cincinnati this time. No, no. no but they no, may no. win out. Yeah, they, I'm not they, buying at all that this year's different with Michigan. No, I mean I'm I'm probably silly. I'm just going out on a limb here, and I'm just predicting more chaos. Well, I'd um, like it to be. I'd like Harbaugh to get Michigan going again. It'd be fun, but yeah, I don't, w- I don't think w- that they're going to beat Ohio State when I know what personnel both of those teams have. You there? Yeah, I'm still here. Sorry. Oh, uh, so uh, anyway, um, so last last thing about college football, we've in all this conversation we've had, we've disregarded the ACC and the Pac-12. You think uh, <laughs> it's, there's no reason to think Oregon, I guess, could sneak in? Yeah, I, I don't think so. I, I mean, I really don't. I mean, <laughs> I was pretty impressed. They won at the Rose Bowl. They were they were underdogs in that game coming in. Yeah, they were. I, I was. I was surprised too. Well, I guess I wasn't surprised by the spread, but, um, but yeah. I, I mean, hell, anything's possible. But I mean, the, the the chaos would have to be just, just utterly, just utterly chaotic. I guess is the best well, way to put it. I don't think it has to be. I think if they win the Pac-12 and they've got that win in Columbus in their back pocket, I think they get in. But I don't think they're going to end the season with one loss. Yeah, I don't think so either. But I feel but like. I, you, you think Would even you put, if they went out, they wouldn't get in? It, I mean, it, it goes back to Bama, I think. I, I think I'm, – I'm telling you, uh, the bias is real. I mean, it's real with everyone. I, I, I think, think it's gonna... the other way, though. You think they're biased toward Bama. I think nobody wants to see two SEC teams again. I think it would be hard. That's a hard sell. Yeah, no, I agree it's a hard sell. But at the end of the day, their job is to put the best four teams in there. Are they good at their job, though? I mean – not, I mean, not necessarily. <laughs> I mean, we've got people like Condoleezza Rice that have been on that committee. I mean, they said on uh, Sunday Night Football the other night she knows her football, so don't yeah. don't talk about Condoleezza. All right, yeah, you're right. She might be listening to this right now. Hell, <laughs> <Al>, Michaels <laughs> and Chris Collinsworth said she knows her football, but <laughs> but I mean, they, I don't think they've got it wrong very often. I, I mean, I'm not saying that, but but 
a two-loss Alabama in a season when they haven't been that particularly dominant, even in some of their victories, like the two-point victory against Florida, mm-hmm. is a real hard sell. This yeah. is not the Tua 50-point Bama that, you know, obliterated everybody two years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's up to the committee to figure out, you know, what they view as, you know, more stylistic. I mean, obviously the SEC is more of a gauntlet than the Pac, than the Pac-12. I mean, Oregon has looked pretty shaky in some of these games. I mean, they're, they're, I, I've seen a little bit. I haven't seen a whole lot of them. I saw some of the Ohio State game. But don't they um, have the single best win of the season? Yeah, I, I, at the end of the day, yeah, as of now. As of now, yeah, yeah. As of now, yes, they have the best win of the season, yes. So, but, but, but also, at that time, I don't think Ohio State was close to firing on the cylinders they are right now. So, I mean, yeah, I think you do take into account, you know, how teams are looking at the time compared to what they are at the end of the season. I, I think all that matters to some extent. It's just a matter of, you know, what matters more to, you know, committee eight, member A, and committee member C all the way down. So it's a tough job. I mean, everyone has different biases. I mean, even though they say they don't, I mean, everyone does. Um, so it's just a matter of what's more important to them. I mean, the scheduling, you know, the wins, you know, how much do the losses mean? How much do the close losses mean? Uh, how much do the wins against, you know, the, <laughs> the teams that don't, you know, belong on the same field as them mean? Uh, what does it mean when they only beat that team by 10 and not 40? I mean, it's a tough job. I, I'm glad I don't have to do it. <laughs> oh, be, we'd love to have that job. What are you talking about? I, I mean, I would love to do it, but I wouldn't want the backlash afterwards where they inter- interview me right after the selection <laughs> are made. It <laughs> would be a way easier job than seating people in the NCAA's basketball tournament. Oh, God. I can't, I can't even imagine what that's like. That's got to be just an absolute logistical nightmare. Mm-hmm. All right, well, uh, real quick before we get to the main event, uh, NFL's uh, been going seven weeks now. Um, I, for one, am shocked at what we're seeing from the Chiefs. I think that's my only real surprise of the season, though. Yeah, and took the words out of my mouth. That was going to be the one thing I brought up is, has the NFL figured out, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid? Well, no, (laughs) not on the offensive side. Yeah. Not on the you mean like your your problem is the defensive side? Yeah, they figured out the KC defense. I don't think they figured out Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes yeah. is helping them out by trying to do too much right now, which we've seen yeah. every great quarterback do over and over in their career. So, oh yeah, I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I'm not worried about Mahomes, and I'm not a buyer into this notion that because I mean you you've heard the notion the past couple of years that the league was going to figure out Lamar Jackson, and I mean. Obviously, this past Sunday wasn't a good indication because Cincinnati played pretty well um, on the defensive side. But uh, Lamar had his coming out party on Monday Night Football a few weeks back. Um, Throwing the ball? Yeah, in a game that the Ravens had no no hope of winning, had no had no idea what to do. And that, sec- that not even the second half, it was more like the, fo- the fourth quarter was just amazing. Um, so the, no- the notion that they figured out Patrick Mahomes, I don't think there is – any figuring out Patrick Mahomes, just like there is no figuring out Lamar Jackson. These are just different beasts that are just going to be around for a decade or more to come. They're going to win multiple MVPs. I'm not worried about Mahomes. Um, Just like I'm not worried about, you know, Kelsey and Hill or Reed or anybody else on the offensive side. Um, But yeah, the defense has 
taken some incredible steps backwards. Well, I think the uh, I think the Chris Jones move to ta- to end was ill advised. Mm-hmm. I think Frank Clark's uh, contract. I mean, he he probably, despite him being one of the uh, worst human beings in the NFL, he's probably <laughs> lived up to his contract just because he helped him win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But he's not playing up to the contract right now. And then the other guy's Honey Badger, and he started the year with COVID, and you know he's out there yelling at people on defense and stuff. He looks frustrated. Yeah, but they, they, but other than that, they don't have much talent on that side of the ball. I've been criticizing their linebackers for ten years now. So I mean, mm-hmm. since Derek Johnson was good. Yeah, and it's it's painfully obvious that they really got to get you know more speed and just just more athletic ability, you know, on on the front seven because. I mean, yeah, it's the same thing every single year. I mean, there's no playmakers, you know, in those three or four linebacker positions. I mean, I just – nobody scares you on that side of the ball anymore besides the Honey Badger, in my opinion. Um, even Sorensen has taken some steps back this season. I mean, not that Sorensen was this all-pro, you know, someone that you could rely on to, you know, just lift you to the next level, but he's been pretty reliable with them for, for some time now. And – it's just a perfect storm right now of things going bad and it's, it's rearing its ugly head and, you know, no, no more so than this past Sunday. I mean, that's pretty much rock bottom. Um, and it just, you know, it infiltrated the offense too. I mean, and like you said, Mahomes just trying to do too much. And when he tries to do too much, you know, he makes ill advised passes, which he knows he shouldn't do. And, you know, if, if the game's close or, or competitive or what, what say you, I mean, he's, he makes the right decisions 99% of the time. Um, so, yeah, it really is a trickle-down effect with how bad the defense is playing and just the pressure they're putting on Mahomes and Tyreek and Kelsey just to be perfect every single time they touch the ball. Yeah, I think that's it, too. The, I guess the question is, you got a 17-game season now. They're only three and four. Two games back in the division. I don't think the division is an insurmountable deficit, but – I mean, they're going to be going on the road in the playoffs, I think. Yeah, yeah. At this point, yeah. At this point, with this many losses, I mean, you have to assume. And they have no breakers against those AFC teams because they're losing all the AFC games. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you have to assume that. I mean, Buffalo just looks. Buffalo might be headed, you know, head and shoulders above everyone right now. The way they're playing, although Tennessee, I mean, you can't argue with what Tennessee did. I mean, they just beat uh, Buffalo and KC. Yeah, Tannehill has picked it up, and Derrick Henry looks like he might run for about 2,500 yards. Um, It's insane what he does on a weekly basis. If Julio can get healthy and just, you know, stay Mm. on the field for an entire game, I mean, my Lord, um, it it, it hurts. Greatest rivalry in the NFL, Julio versus his hamstring. Yeah, I mean, it it really does hurt to watch um, because – I mean, you're seeing one of the greatest wide receivers of all time just age and just fade out before your eyes. Um, Good. He's out of Atlanta. (laughs) Age somewhere else. Exactly. I mean, it makes makes the decision we made, you know, look that much better, obviously. No, it Um, doesn't. Because Calvin Ridley's not not prepared to be a number one receiver in the NFL. No, no, he's not. But, I mean, there was no reason to keep Julio around. I mean, it was – I mean – Sure there was. To sell tickets. <laughs> Have you seen what they charge for tickets? Uh, no, what do they charge? Well, I've seen them out for PSLs. Really? Thousands. Mm. Uh, yeah, you're right then. <laughs> uh, 
but no, Calvin's not ready to be number one. I mean, I think a lot of people thought he was, but I mean, that's rearing its ugly head, you know, right now in front of our very eyes. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's still pretty wide open the AFC. I'm not going to count the chiefs out of the division, even at this point, like you said, um, the chargers are, you know, this is Herbert's second year. Um, you know, it's a really good offense. I've got a lot of questions about their defense as well. Uh, the Chargers look like, you know, pretty much Swiss cheese as far as stopping a running game. Um, you know, the Raiders are the Raiders at this point. I mean, yeah, a lot's been going on with that team that we all know about. Um, and then, you know, the Broncos, I'm, you know, I, I'm just not sold on Bridgewater or Drew Locke being able to get that team to the next level. Um, I still think their quarterback search continues. So I still think Casey has plenty of time to get back in it, like you said. Yeah, I, I mean, advantage uh, advantage Vegas or, or L.A. right now, though. I think, I think Casey's got a chance, but I'm not sure they're going to do it. I guess I would bet on Justin Herbert probably, but I kind of like the Raiders. If Gruden was still coaching the Raiders and they hadn't had that fiasco, I think I would take the Raiders. Really? You think so? I know the interim's 2-0, and but he's unproven, so I don't know about that. Yeah, I I guess I'm just not sold on the Raiders' offense yet, and and not necessarily Derek Carr. Um, I mean, their running game kind of sputters from time to time. You know, Jacobs is in and out of the lineup. Well, that's the Um, thing. When he plays, he's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, but he he just can't stay healthy for more than a game or two at a time, and you know, getting Kenyon Drake was definitely a good move, but he, he's been pretty uh, – uh, he hasn't really done a whole lot this season. He had a pretty good game, you know, the other day. Um, I like the young wide receivers, though. I mean, I'm not yeah. a huge – Ruggs is probably the worst of those four Bama guys. Yeah, but, I, I, but he's absolutely. fast as heck. Yeah, absolutely. And that, say, that says a lot that he's the worst one out of the Bama yeah, guys. But, but I, like, I like Edwards. I like Renfro. I like Darren Waller. Oh, yeah, Darren Waller is an absolute monster. I mean, they they can't get him the ball enough. Um, the fact that they were able to win so handily without him on Sunday, you know, speaks to, you know, the depth they have. I mean, I don't think Zay, they have any. Zay Jones ran right by Marlon Humphrey on Monday Night Football. Yeah, yeah, he did. I, I mean, the depth is there. I mean, they don't have those, you know, star number one receivers in my opinion. Not yet, anyway. Not yet, I mean, yeah. yeah. Ruggs isn't there. You know, Edwards isn't there. I mean, Renfro, I mean. Renfro, I mean, he, he's third in Renfro. He's your slot guy that gets those big catches when you need them. Um, the new Wes Welker. Exactly, exactly. But they don't have that big alpha wide receiver that, you know, the real dominant teams have that it seems like you need these days. Um, you know, Green Bay's got, you know, Devontae Adams, obviously. Uh, you know, Casey has got Tyreek Hill, you know, and Kelsey. I mean, obviously Kelsey's not a wide receiver, but he can line up at wide receiver whenever he wants to. Um, Seattle, I mean, obviously, you know, Russell's hurt, but he's got Metcalf and Lockett. So I, I think they still need someone to kind of step up into that role, that alpha role the, that demands the ball and can, you know, make a play when they need one. Um, but I, I think Derek Carr is is the real deal. I mean, people that have hated on Derek Carr for years now and wanted him out, um, I never quite got that. Uh, I mean, I, I think he's well above average in my opinion. Um, I'm not sure who you get um, to replace him. And I think after this year, I think that's going to quiet down a little bit. Well, I think he's right there with – you can win with him, but I don't know if you can win the whole thing with him. Yeah, 
I mean, that's fair. I'm not, I'm not sure you can yet either. Um, you know, we've never really seen Carr in these, you know, high pressure playoff situations. Um, he seems like somebody that, you know, I want on my side, someone that's going to absolutely leave it all on the field. I just, I still think there's a few missing pieces, um, you know, whether it's the running game picking up, whether it's the defense is coming along though, the defensive line, um, I forget his name and I feel bad because he's having a really good year. Max Crosby. Um, yes, Crosby. Thank you. Um, yeah, he's been absolutely instrumental in turning that defense around. I mean, usually, I mean, people are sitting back there for years, you know, as quarterbacks, you know, figuring out their first, second, third, and fourth read. But, you know, that's not the case anymore. And they're definitely on the up and up. I'm not sure this year is the year yet. I still I still prefer the Chargers and the Chiefs. But um, not to say that the Raiders won't be there fighting for a wild card. I kind of feel like Las Vegas is going to be like South Beach is in the NBA, though. So it's going to be troublesome for opposing teams to come to Vegas. I think so. I mean, <laughs> it has to be, you know, just, just based on the fact of where they play. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I mean, just the distractions alone and, you know, everything that comes with, you know, Vegas and the new stadium and, you know, you know, the, bl- the black holes coming back. It's just in Vegas now. I mean, the fans are the, the fans are, you know, getting attached to the team. I think I think it's working. Um, so, I mean, it's fun to see the Raiders playing well. You know, I think it's good for the league, too. So hopefully they're there, you know, in the end, you know, with the Chiefs and the Chargers, you know, making a run. Because I think that's one of the best divisions in football um, right now from, you know, from top to bottom. Uh, you got a feel at all for ASC North? Who comes out of that? Whew, man, um, that's a really good question. I'll, I'll still go with the Ravens even after what happened the other day. 41 um, from Cincinnati. Yeah, I, I – <laughs> You know, and that's – it's kind of weird saying that because I am a true b- believer in Burrow, but I didn't think he'd be able to get him to a division title, you know, one year after the injury. Um, no, I you didn't know, either. So, I mean, Jamar Chase is everything we thought he would be and more. Um, I mean, the running game looks pretty good. I mean, Mixon's he's still battling some injuries. The defense is night and day. I mean, that's the story of the Bengals right now. There's There's so much – better than what they were the past few years um i think they can be there i think it's i think it's silly to count out the uh the browns at this point too if baker can come back um i know baker's not playing very well right now and the defense kind of looks a little broken right now as well his injury Uh, sounds iffy it really does it really does um so i he makes it sound like he's going to be back next week, but based on what I hear, that's, that sounds impossible. I'm not a doctor, obviously. Um, but, yeah, Case Keenan, I don't think he's going to be able to run that team. Obviously, Kareem Hunt is hurt. Nick Chubb is hurt. I mean, there's a lot of people out right I think, now. I think Chubb's coming back next week. Okay, well, well, good, because, I mean, not that they need him. I don't know if you saw De- DeForest Buck- Buckner, the other – or not DeForest Buckner, De Ernest. De Ernest Johnson, I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting Buckner in. I did, I did not watch that classic football game, but I did because <laughs> he had a big game. Yeah, he was a monster, man. You almost forgot about Chubb for a second. Not really. I mean, that, O-line, that O-line's pretty good, so that's probably why. Yeah, they really are. So, I mean, th- that team is the real deal if they can get healthy and not lose too much ground. And I don't think they're going to lose a whole lot of ground because I think the division is just so evenly, you know, spread out as far as talent goes. Um, it's weird that we're not even talking about the Steelers. 
Yeah, I mean, they're still in it, too. Yeah. I, I mean, Tomlin's people... never had a losing record, so you can almost guarantee they're going to at least win eight or nine. Yeah, exactly. You can never count out the Steelers. So, as, as much as they've gone through, Juju's out for the year. Uh, you know, Ben looks like, you know, he's yeah, – it could he's be his last season. Yeah, it could be his last season. Probably should have been his last season last year. Um, I mean, it, it's – it, it, it is the best division up and down. I mean, a little above the AFC West just because the Broncos are a step a step below all those other teams in the North, I believe. Um, but, yeah, if I had to pick today, I would say the Ravens, but I don't have a whole lot of confidence in that pick. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Baltimore, without having to look at anybody's schedule or anything, I think, I think I'd pick Baltimore, too. Uh, the, the Bengals will probably wake up and realize they're in first place pretty soon. You would think. <laughs> but, yeah, Joe Burrow is so good. Who knows? It's hard yeah. to say. Uh, I think two or three teams from that division probably get in the playoffs. So. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And, you know, good for the Bengals. I mean, I, I think me and you both knew how good Burrow was going to be. Um, he reaffirmed that on Sunday um, in case anyone thought that he wasn't going to live up to the hype. I think he's going to live up to it and then some. Um, he is so good at just everything. And then the South Titans, uh, I think, probably are going to win that division. Although Carson Wentz is showing some signs of coming out of his slump. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. I mean, he's a. I'm not going to pick the Colts. I mean, just based off of, you know, just the talent on the on the Titans side. I think it's just a little, little more, just a little better. Um, I don't know about across the board. They just don't have Derrick Henry. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair, but AJ Brown has had a couple of good games. He's had two really good games in a row after that. Well, they don't really they slow don't have start. him either. But T.Y. Hilton got healthy; that would help. It, it, it did. He came back for one game, and he's already going and he already missed a game. So he he made it one game before getting hurt. I mean, well, any of us would have skipped that game last night. That, that, yeah, that was man. That was one of the worst football games I've seen in a long time. <laughs> Carson went through three picks in the first half, and they caught none of them. Uh, yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. I mean, I was uh. I was reading about the storm that was coming in, and uh, my fantasy football team, I decided to bench one of the uh, uh, 49er players I had, and sure enough, it worked out to my advantage. <laughs> Wise, because Jimmy G couldn't grip the ball. No, Jimmy is, yeah, talk about uh, uh, quarterbacks and, you know, probably need a new, needing a new change of scenery. Um, but, yeah, Jimmy has uh, – <laughs> he has exhausted um, his, his likeness in San Francisco. And – uh, Buffalo probably the only team that makes it from the east, I would think. Yeah, yeah, Buffalo and everyone else is done, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, NFC, we've obviously got Cowboys, uh, Packers, and mm-hmm. um, Bucks. I would be shocking if any of them didn't win the division, I think, at this point. Yeah, yeah it would just take monumental energy or energy uh, injury at this point. Um, but, yeah, there, there's no doubt in my mind those are the three division winners right there. And then Rams and Cardinals are going to take two playoff spots. Somebody's going to win that division. Yep, definitely both playoff teams. No so question about it. So that's five of the seven. I'd say everybody else has no chance in the first round against any of those teams. No, no, none whatsoever. I mean, and I have no idea who those two teams would be. Yeah, Saints, I really... Saints probably have a pretty good chance because their roster is pretty stacked and Jameis plays okay. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I like the Saints, and a few weeks ago, if you would have asked me, I would have told you I like the Panthers. Um, but with the Falcons, surprised <laughs> me there. You didn't like well, them? 
I won't. I won't surprise you that much. Okay. But uh, with with Sam with Darnold reverting back to his old ways and McCaffrey getting hurt again, and I would have been stunned if the Panthers were good with Sam Darnold. Yeah, I yeah I would have been too. But the fact that he was halfway competent for three games, he did with McCaffrey. He looked all right. Yeah, everyone looks pretty uh, competent with with McCaffrey. But now with him out and. On the defensive side, they lost J.C. Horn. I know they brought in Stephon Gilmore, so we'll see what happens with that. But The other team would have been the Seahawks, but Russell Wilson being out throws a monkey wrench in that. Yeah, I think they're done. I mean, yeah, they, I, I don't think they're going to win a game without Russell. I think Russell I think Russell might be the most important player to any team in the NFL. That's what I think. Maybe... <laughs> but Collinsworth said he was surprised by that the other night. Did you hear that comment? Really? He came out of halftime of that Pittsburgh game when they were down 14 to nothing and said, now I knew Russell Wilson was important, but I had no idea he was this important. <laughs> like, you need to get off of TV, Chris. Come on, that, man. That's about it. I mean, has he not seen any of the Seahawks games? That, what, Ever. Man, that's rough. Yeah, yeah I, I put not that one either. Yeah, I, I put Russell and Mahomes, you know, pretty much 1A and 1B as far as importance to their team. Yeah, I think he might even be more important than Mahomes. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, what Russell does, you know, on a snap by snap basis, just is incredible to me every single week. And you know, <laughs> everyone has been almost taking it for granted. But now we're gonna now that he's finally missing some games, <laughs> you're gonna find out real quick. I don't think they're done necessarily. Um, if they if they get one with Geno, I don't know if they're done because everybody else in the FC is terrible. I mean, you can't, you can't name one other team that's other than the Vikings that might even have any semblance of having a chance. The Bears no. have no chance. The Lions have no chance. None of the teams in the East have a chance. The mm-hmm. Falcons have no chance. Well, yeah, the I mean, they have no chance. And the, the 49ers I, look like they have no chance. No, the, the 49ers are done. I mean, they're absolutely done. I mean, they're, I mean, they're two and four, but I, I don't see them turning around either when they're that banged up. No, I mean, they're so banged up, and you know Trey Lance is going to get some playing time at some point in the season. And Yeah, and I don't think Trey's ready. I mean, he's probably the least ready of anybody, and that's kind of scary to say based on what we've seen from Zach Wilson and Justin. Yeah, he's or Trevor Lawrence even. Yeah, he's, yeah. Probably, he's probably not ready. One year at North Dakota State is probably not enough yeah. to get you ready for the NFL. Yeah, it's just not enough real game time against true – you know, it's not even Division One competition, like you said. So, in in fairness, I will say Carson Wentz only had like a year and a half as a starter under his belt, but he was a lot older than Trey Lance. Yep. Yep. So, but yeah, you're right. The NFC is just a mess. I mean, just the fact that I had to go and potentially say that I had the Panthers a few weeks ago as a potential wild card team is just pretty mind blowing. Um, do you buy? Before we move on, do you buy any of this Deshaun Watson? to the Dolphins or to the Panthers or to somebody else news that we're hearing? Yeah, I buy it. Um, but I don't know what good it does because I don't know when he's going to play. Well, that's what I was reading is that if they would have put him on the commissioner exempt list, they would have put him on there already, even though he's been inactive. And they had a couple scenarios from the past few years, um, not exactly like Deshaun's you know, situation, because, I mean, what is like Deshaun's situation, to be quite honest? Right. Um, where they didn't put players on the exempt list, you know, even even when they weren't playing. So it makes you wonder, even if he's traded, are they going to put him on the exempt list? So in theory, if he was traded tomorrow to Carolina, 
he could be starting in five days. Yes. Um, <laughs> if if those, I think those teams need to check in with the league, and if the league says that he's going to play this year, I think those those trade will happen. But if Goodell doesn't tip his head or hand on what he's going to do, um, I don't see why you would acquire him and him potentially be suspended all of next year or something. Yeah, and, and I mean the price is. I mean, obviously you don't know what the price is anymore. But obviously, when this first began, I, I think I read something like a three first round picks and two starters. So you're looking at they were asking for five, you know, difference makers essentially. And for a guy that may not play next year or this year, I mean, it's it's a crazy asking price. So I'm just curious as to what it is now, um, now that teams are, you know, starting to pick up the phones again and um, trying to figure out from Goodell, you know, whether, you know, this guy is even worth acquiring. I don't know if he's going to tip his hand. I'm not sure he will. Um, but I feel like if he's not going to be able to play this year, then you, you can't trade for him, in my opinion. Well, and I mean, you're going to have rallies outside your stadium from people. I mean, Kyrie's having we're having rallies <laughs> over his COVID situation. You know, there's going to be women's rights groups and stuff coming out. If whoever acquires Deshaun Watson, it's going it's going to be like when the Eagles got Vic out of jail. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, you you, you stole it right out of my mouth again. But yeah, this this reminds me so much of Vic if it actually happens. Um, even though you know, obviously. You know, Deshaun hasn't gone to jail. He hasn't been proven guilty or anything. But when you have 22 people, you know, come forward with accusations like this, um, man, it's pretty damning. Um, so I, well, I I couldn't pull the trigger if I was a general manager or an owner. He could he could still be cleared or he could be acquitted or he could be – or they could settle out of court. Um, from what I heard, he doesn't want the non-disclosure if mm-hmm. he settles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, he, it, it doesn't sound good for him, but if he fights it and he wins, then obviously you can't say much of anything. If I'm Carolina, I want him there. I mean, you think of all the Clemson people that would buy season tickets and stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I would want him. If I'm the Texans, I'm not negotiating with the Panthers. I'm trying to get Tua. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this whole notion that Tua can't play – we it's don't just, know. He's coming off a hip injury. He looks good to me. Yeah, I was about to say. I mean, are you are you going to put the blame on him? For, I mean, yeah. I mean, he 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 he's had a a penchant for throwing some picks. I mean, yeah, that has followed him. You know, throughout his NFL career, his brief NFL career so far. Very brief NFL yeah. career. Yeah. So let's just let's just put that out there. But I mean, he's he's made some plays. He looks like a more than competent quarterback to me. But. Um, yeah, this this notion of giving up on him so early and that he's not, you know, a guy that can lead his team to victories is, you know, pretty pretty baffling to me. But we'll see what happens. Well, if I'm Houston, I'm going to try to get Tua. And uh, if I could get Tua and another first-rounder and a few seconds and, and get rid of the headache of Deshaun Watson, I'm making that deal. If I'm Miami, I'm not doing that deal. Yeah, exactly. I'm not doing it either. But yeah, Houston, I do it in a heartbeat. If I can get Tua, somebody that I know is never going to mess up, someone that's going to leave my locker room. I mean, we've well, seen. Well, well, I wouldn't have thought that Sean Watson would either. So let's don't say what we we don't know these people personally. I mean, that is fair. That is fair. I never would have seen this coming. You know, it, from any angle. I mean, I, how could you? 
But everything we've heard about Tua, I mean, I, I feel like he's one of the probably one of the safest people to put in your locker room. Maybe he's not Deshaun Watson quality. Maybe he he doesn't have that it factor. I don't know. It's hard but to say at this point. It really Deshaun is. Watson quality is a high quality though. Yeah, as a football abso- player, absolutely, absolutely. But I'm, the fact that he's inactive right now, you're not even playing him. I I mean, get something for him. I mean. <laughs> If you can get Tua and, like you said, a maybe a first-rounder, two seconds, maybe a third, I mean, who knows? But wh- why not? I mean, just to just to turn the page on this, you know, disaster. Biggest problem Houston has is Davis Mills a legitimate player, and they're ruining him right now with no one around him getting killed every week. Yeah, uh, it's, it's one of the saddest things. It really is because it, when I have seen him play – he has these moments where you see his arm and you realize he can yeah. be an NFL quarterback. He can absolutely make the throws, but he has A, zero time to throw the ball, and B, right. zero players to throw the ball to. No, he, um, was the, he was the top QB prospect in Georgia when Fromm came out. Fromm was number two. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I mean, it's evident to me that he can be a starter in this league, but, man, <laughs> the situation he's been thrown in is absolutely just unwinnable, almost unplayable. Well, they're, they're going to do exactly what Jacksonville did last year and win the opener and then lose 15 in a row. So they're going to lose 16 in a row because they're 17 games now. Yeah, exactly. They're not winning any more games. They're no. not trying to win any more games. No. I, I, I think when they won game one, they're like, what the hell are well, we doing Well, they wanted, they wanted David Culley to get his one victory so he can right. so his career won't end winless. Yeah. <laughs> but that was, but that was it for Houston winning in the game. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. I do think Deshaun Watson may get traded the next week, but I don't know if we're going to see him play. Yeah, if he ends up in the Falcons division, I'm not going to be happy about that. No, <laughs> no. We Can already have Tom Brady. We had Drew Brees for literally 15 years. I know. Like enough's enough. Yeah, it, it really is. We've had Cam Newton for a decade. He won an MVP. <laughs> I mean, come on now, it's getting ridiculous. It is getting ridiculous. So I'm interested to see where that saga, saga, saga can he speak. And Atlanta plays Carolina on Sunday. So we do not want to see him in uniform <laughs> in that game. After that, fine. Okay. But I think we could beat Deshaun with only three days of preparation. If that's I don't. What Deshaun has. <laughs> no, I don't. I still bet on Deshaun. Have you seen our defense? I have. I have. It's hardly even an NFL unit at this point. <laughs> oh, God. Too funny. It is, it is a horrible, horrible football team. Okay. Uh, anything else before we get to the grand event? Are we are we there? Anything hey, anything I, on your mind you can think of that you want to talk about? No, I don't think so. I don't I, want to I, talk about the NBA yet. I haven't even watched the game. We'll talk no, about it later. No, we're, we're literally three games in. Please, let's not talk about it. We can, we, the only thing I know is the Hawks are one and one, and uh, Russell Westbrook turns the ball over every other possession. That's all I know about the NBA right now. Yeah, that's all you need to know. I mean, but, that's all I care about right now. <laughs> but both of those things are going to change soon, so whatever. Yes, they are. Um, And that's literally about the only thing I know because I haven't watched the game yet. Nope. Uh, all right. Well, we've had a big year in Atlanta. You and I talked about the Hawks on this podcast for most of the summer. And now uh, we had not talked baseball since we made our preseason predictions and didn't know who was in the Blue Jays rotation. <laughs> um, but, but here we are. The World Series has happened. I have now watched a few baseball games and feel equipped to talk about it. So our Atlanta Braves are back in the World Series for the first time in 22 years. And uh, oh. 
it was uh, sort of surprising and sort of not surprising and sort of terrifying. And uh, just tell us, tell us what your emotions have been like it, during it, this two week ride we've been on. It, it really was all those things mixed into one. I mean, if Hillary was here on this on this call right now, uh, she could tell you kind of the mess that I've been in the past couple weeks because and after I went Georgia beats Florida forty two to seven again. We're gonna have her on the next podcast. <laughs> and... Absolutely, okay. she's not gonna have a choice. Go but ahead. Yeah, sorry. I, I mean, go. I mean, going back to just the start of the playoffs and getting in with you know this eighty eight win team that you know no one really you know. It was an afterthought. I mean, I know a lot of people picked us to beat the Brewers um, just based on the way we were, you know, just crushing the ball. Well, let's go back a little bit further. Before you get to, all, before you get to that, let me, let me take us back for a second. Before okay, the let's... season, Sports Illustrated picked us to win the World Series. You and I would not have been surprised we're in the World Series back in March. No, no, definitely not. So, this, so, so tell our listeners a little bit the journey this team's been on to get to 88 wins because that's because it's a whole different idea from what we thought we would be yeah it really is it is hard to describe exactly what this team has gone through you know from game one to game 162 but just the way we lost some of these guys that we thought were going to be instrumental to our run you know to greatness to knocking off the Dodgers um, to knocking off you know whoever in the AL and to lose them the way we did, the way we lost Soroka with an Achilles injury, a second Achilles injury, was just just absolutely heartbreaking. Walk, just didn't, he get, didn't he do it walking into the clubhouse? Or walking, something? walking into the clubhouse. Yeah, yeah, not you know, not not pushing off on the mound, you know, not not getting off the mound, but <laughs> walking into the clubhouse. Okay, so uh, I he's mean, he's our that, ace pitcher. Two years yeah, ago. He, exactly. He's the one that was supposed to guide us, you know, to the promised land. Um, sort of, yeah, 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 something like that. Anyway, then we have Marcelo Zuna. As anyone that was keeping track of the Braves last year, he was the one that stirred the pot. He's the one that basically <laughs> he mixed it up. He he literally mixed it up. He brought us on that ride. Without him last year, we did not get to where we were because he was a legitimate MVP candidate um, alongside and I, Freddie. And I said you have to pay him. Yeah, you absolutely had to pay him. Absolutely have to pay him. Or did you? Yeah. And then we find out that he beat his wife. And Which I mean, we had some prior knowledge could be a situation that might occur with the Ozuna family. Yes. Yes, we did. And, you know, we chose to, you know, take a gamble and, and bet on Marcel. And the bet backfired in the worst possible way. I think it happened literally after he, like, slid into, slid into one of the yeah. bases. and He broke something. Yeah, he broke something first, and we're like, all right, well, you know, whatever. We'll get him back in, you know, six weeks, you know, whatever the case may be. We can hang, we can hang on for six weeks with this lineup. Um, you know, then we find out, you know, that he and his wife have the altercation. He hits his wife. He's obviously done for the year. In front of the um, police officer. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. Allegedly. So, 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 so that case has kind of been adjudicated. I'm, I'm a little, I don't understand quite why he's not back. I, I, I don't I don't know either. I mean, he's under he's, contract. He's, he's under also contract. on the commissioner's exempt list or whatever you said to Sean Watson might be under. Yeah, That's exactly. What's happening to him right now? Yeah, so yeah, um, it's it, it is pretty confusing why he's not eligible to come back. Not that we would bring him back, obviously, um, based well, on what happened. And <laughs> I, I mean, we still owe this guy like twenty million a year for the next three years. Is he not going to play for us? Oh no, no, I'm talking about for next year. 
I, I mean, like, we can bring him back next year, but, you know, with everything we've got going on now. You don't want to bring him back now? I'd put I, him in the lineup if he was available. Uh, at this point, I don't think I would. He hasn't swung a bat in. No, I don't, how, mean, I don't mean now. I'm talking about in September when the situation arose. Oh. He settled out of the, they, uh, the wife. Dropped, I, I, the wife dropped the charges. I don't know what all happened exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, talking yeah, about that... something I'm not totally informed about. But he he got his charge reduced, mm-hmm. and he agreed to some kind of uh, counseling and uh, I don't know some kind of uh, community service or something mm-hmm. like that. And yeah, you're right. His case is pretty much adjudicated as far as I'm concerned that I, that I'm aware of. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, once that happened, I'm I'm confused how a player under contract and his case was, like you said, adjudicated, why he wasn't allowed to come back. Um, well, he's you still know. serving some unspoken suspension, but, I mean, I, he would have helped the Braves. I, 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 morally, you would have had a hard time bringing him back, but if we still have to pay this guy, you would hope he'd hit a few home runs. Well, well yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're we're paying him a lot of money to uh, to mix it up and do what he did last year. Absolutely. Um, so I, I'm I'm with. But you. no, I'm I don't little... mean this week. I mean like a month ago. Okay, I follow you. I thought you meant just bring him back tomorrow. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't put him in the lineup, but if we could have him coming off the bench as a pinch hitter, I wouldn't complain. Oh yeah, that would be awesome. Um, but, but yeah, the whole notion. I mean, obviously, this is kind of getting a little off topic, but. I have no idea why he wasn't allowed to come back or what exactly maybe we told him to not come back and stay away for the rest of the season. I, I don't know, but we probably it, did. I'm assuming we did. I mean, based on, I mean, all the, all the reinforcements we brought in, I mean, I guess we really don't have a, a spot for him right now. I mean, I'll, I'll roll with the guys we have right now. It's going to be um, awkward when he comes back. It's going to be very <laughs> awkward. It's do we like I mean, him? I, do we not like him? Do we root yeah. for him? Yeah, I mean, what do you – yeah, it's tough, man. I mean, I, I don't know what you do as a teammate. I don't know – I don't know. I, I'm glad I'm not in that situation. But they anyway, so we – mentioned him. When we clinched the division, they talked about how they wished uh, Acuna and Soroka could have been a part of this. But no mm-hmm. one spoke of Ozuna, so I don't yep. know. Yep, not a word. So that might be the uh, the proof in the pudding right there. Um, so I bet we knows. trade him. Yeah, I think so too. So – um, so yeah, you have that, and then you have the most crushing injury of all um, when Acuna went down. I, and that's I, when I, I think, thought we were done. Yeah, I, I mean, the entire Braves nation thought we were done. I thought was, we were done. I mean, was that the they, Saturday after the All Star? No, Saturday before the All Star break because he missed the All Star game. Yeah, yeah, he missed the All Star game. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, when he when he crumpled like that, it was oh man. I, <laughs> Even Hillary knew we were done. I mean, even Ronald Acuna is just a household name, you know, for anyone that has any idea what baseball is or what goes on in the sport of baseball. He's just – he's he's And we barely reached, do, but – Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's reached that echelon of name recognition right up there with Trout, with Tatis. Um, he, he's right there. I mean, he's, he's one of the, the best players in the sport and – these are not exactly Ruth and Mace and Mantle in name recognition, but go ahead. <laughs> hey, this is what we've got these it is. right now, okay? This is what we have in Rob Manfred's MLB. Yeah, this is what we've got, okay? So we got to talk them up. But anyway, I mean, when he went down, I mean, it was more, I, I mean, just as much of a, of, a, of a blow psychologically as it was to the lineup. I mean, just, you know, what Acuna brings, you know, to the leadoff position, you know, to the just a pure power position. Um, 
it, it was it was damning. I mean, I I didn't think there was any way in hell we could possibly overcome that. I wasn't sure we could overcome Soroka when he went down. I just didn't think our lineup or our starting rotation was deep enough. Um, it turns out that, you know, might have been a little wrong. Uh, Freed stepped up and took that role and kind of ran with it. Um, Charlie Morton proved that, yeah, he might be about to turn 38, but he's he's got some gas in the, left in the tank. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he kept us in it all year, all year round. Um, Ian Anderson, I mean, he came on last year. Uh, kind of took the world, or not the world, but the Braves by storm. Um, we all thought we were getting someone that was pretty good, and he, he kind of blew away our expectations. And I wouldn't say this year he he really blew us away. I mean, he. I, I mean, obviously there's more film on him. There's more scouting reports on him. Um, but, I, I mean, he more than held his own as, as a number three. I mean, he's a great number three in my opinion. I agree. Uh, so, I, I mean – all you could ask for was those three guys to step up the way they did. Obviously we mixed and matched throughout the season, you know, with, you know, people like, you know, Tukey and Drew Smiley and, you know, you, you name them. I mean, none, none of them really stuck, but. I mean, the big, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but obviously the, the, the big thing that just kind of, I mean, we were hovering at 500 the entire year, you know, for those that don't know, I mean, we, we literally, I mean, do you remember like in like June and July where we would go like one game, two games below and then get back to 500 and then lose a game and then get back to 500 and then lose three games yeah, in we, a row? We didn't get over until like game 126 or something like that. Yeah, it, it was absolutely absurd. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen a team just hover at 500 and just be the most average team you can Let, possibly be. We had that stretch after the All-Star break. We alternated win or loss in like 18 straight games. Yeah, it, 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 it set it a was new some... MLB record for most times of not winning or winning two or losing two in a row. Yeah, and I mean, you, you just knew at that point that this is what this team was. I mean, this is just an average team that just doesn't have the pieces that it needs, you know, to even possibly win the division. Well, it's a team where everything went wrong. Yeah, it's probably exactly. not an average team talent-wise, but it's a team where you just couldn't quite get it together. Yeah, exactly. It's just one thing after another. And, you know, Freddie got off to a slow start in the first half. That didn't help things. Contract year. Yep, contract. I mean, there you go. I mean, just everything just kind of kind of worked against us in the first half. And then, you know, the all-star break hits, and then Alex just pulls the trigger on. You know, he just retools the entire team, the entire outfield. I mean, well, that's, say- the, that's the mystery to me. We got four quality MLB starters for nothing. Yeah, absolutely nothing. How? I have no idea what Alex has on these other GMs and owners, but it's apparent that he has some kind of blackmail in all of them because these guys are legitimate studs. I mean, legitimate. Eddie Eddie Rosario. I mean, I can't say I can't tell you how excited I was the day that I heard we got him because I knew exactly what we were getting. Um, I knew he was injured. I knew he was still on his way back, but I knew that once we plugged him in, that. Man, it wasn't going to solve all the problems, but it was going to it was going to help out a lot. We I mean, got him for Pablo Sandoval. Yeah, Pablo Sandoval, people. Not 2013 yeah. Pablo Sandoval. Exactly. This is Pablo Sandoval that you know pinch hits, plays once every, gets one at bat once every two or three games. That Pablo Sandoval. So why did the Indians do that deal? I I I literally have no idea. I don't either. I haven't I mean, figured it, that. I don't. I don't know why the Royals gave up on Solaire either. 
Yep. So so Lair is equally as baffling. The man the just hit, hit forty eight homers two years ago. Yeah, he, he he literally was knocking on the door of fifty just the other day, it seems like. And he, he had one bad half. I mean he's hitting below the Mendoza line. And Okay, and it, but where it, are the Royals going? I mean, yeah. <laughs> exactly. They just they just tossed him into the trash heap. Like he couldn't be part of the you know, the rebuilding process. I mean, yeah, he's not twenty two years old or whatever. I mean, I think he's like twenty eight or twenty nine, but he's twenty nine, yeah. So, but I mean, you just can't to be able to pick guys off the trash heap like that. I mean, Jock Peterson. I mean, well, the I, Cubs were, Cubs were in a fire sale. I can understand that one. They are in a fire sale, but to be able to pick him off with nobody else, you know, you know, wanting him essentially. I mean, I don't know what other offers there were out there for him. I have no idea. Um, we, we got him first. I, he, he was he was a little understandable. Uh, I don't know the. I mean, the Marlins weren't going anywhere with Duvall, but they gave him back to Atlanta for relatively very little compensation. Mm-hmm. That didn't make a whole lot of sense, considering now you're going to have to play him. And I think they have, like, a mutual option for next year. So, I don't know. Duvall's probably going to test free agency. but Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, who could blame him? I mean, after the, the year he had, especially the second half he had, I mean, I, I keep going back to second half, but, I mean, that's what it came down to. I mean, these guys just absolutely raked in the second half. And I'd kind of be remiss if I didn't mention Austin Riley in the second half that he had. I mean, legitimate MVP numbers he put up in the second half. Legitimate MVP numbers he put up for the entire season. Um, he really helped our team stay together, you know, when we were, you know, really holding on for dear life. And these reinforcements came in, you know, Eddie and Solaire just absolutely started raking. Freddie picked it up and Riley just kept going. You know, Ozzy has been, you know, fairly steady the entire year. We know what we're going to get out of Ozzy. Um, you, you can't say enough about where they were, you know, at the beginning of the season to where they were right around the halfway mark to where they were right around game 120, 130. And then from 130 on, just the way they took off. It's been like four different segments in the season. And the bullpen has completely come around this postseason. We've all been terrified of Will Smith and uh, Chris Martin and Luke Jackson and all them. And obviously, you know, Chris Martin still terrifies us. For good reason. Ja- for, for very good reason. Um, Luke Jackson hasn't had the postseason um, to back up his regular season. He's, well, that's he's one had, way to put it, yeah. That's yeah, nice. that's, yeah, one very nice way to put it, so – um, we're going to need Luke at some point, I think. Uh, hopefully he's able to rebound and, you know, erase that demon because <laughs> it's living big in his head right now. Um, but, man, Will Smith, he's been shutting the door in the postseason. You can't say enough about Tyler Matzik and where he was, you know, four years ago when he was basically looking at early retirement because he couldn't stay on a team because he couldn't find the strike zone. I mean, there's a lot of things that have come together to make this team what it is. And, I mean, it, throwing out the words destiny sounds kind of weird, but, man, it just feels like it's our time. I mean, you said it the other day. It's our time. I mean, I really – I believe it. I hope it. I'm sad that Acuna doesn't get to participate. I'm glad he's there to watch it. But, man, it, it, it feels it feels like something special is going on right now. Well, um, you said a lot. that I, I agree with all of that. Um. All right, so when you look at a team 
that targets another team that that comes close like we did last year with the Dodgers, right? Mm-hmm. The hardest part is getting back to that. Yes. The hard the the hardest part is all the work you have to put in to get back to give yourself one more shot at it. But it always felt like if we got another shot at them, it was going to go differently. Because mm-hmm. I never once, as many times as Atlanta, whether it's the Braves or the Falcons or the Hawks or even Georgia Bulldogs or Georgia Tech basketball or whatever, as many times as we've had choke jobs in Georgia sports, I never thought that was what happened to the Braves last year. I thought we just lost to a team that was better than we were. And I thought over the course of seven games, they were one run better than we were in game seven. That's just how it was. Mm-hmm. I didn't think we gagged. I didn't think we did anything to give that series to them. I thought they went and took it. Will Smith, the other Will Smith, hit a great home run in game five. Mm-hmm. Corey Seager lit us up in game six. Mookie Betts reached over the fence two games in a row and robbed us. <laughs> Cody Bellinger turned on a pitch late in game seven. and changed. I mean, there were just things they did because they have great baseball players. Mm-hmm. I felt like all along, if we got another chance at L.A., and I think before the season, you and I, when we had to predict, we picked L.A. because it's kind of crazy not to pick a team that's that stacked. I mean, they, they had a 27 Yankees-like roster. Yeah, that, that brought Scherzer at the break and had Trevor Bauer to start the season. Right. You got Trey Turner to move positions, a batting, yeah. the batting champion of the yeah, NL. Ba- yeah, Trey. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> it was an unbelievable roster. But I felt like Atlanta – I don't even think they – I heard Ron Darling or somebody the other day say they thought the Braves matched up well with the Dodgers. It might not have been him. Somebody on TV said that. I don't think that. I think Atlanta's just that good. Yeah. And I think Atlanta – I think Atlanta – last year to me was the turning point. When we got through the playoffs and got through over the hump of getting back to the LCS, the way we played against them was something you could build off of. It wasn't something to be embarrassed about. Mm-hmm. And the hard part was picking yourself back up and knowing that you don't get to go through a 60-game season again. It's in a COVID year. You've got to play 162. You've got to grind. You've got to go through camp. You've got to do all that all over again just to have one more shot at L.A. But when we got there, I didn't know if we'd get by the Brewers. I thought I, thought I would have bet on Atlanta, but I didn't, feel, I didn't feel great because of their starting pitching. Yeah, I was nervous about their uh, – especially their first two. Right, and I thought it was—I thought it was very possible that we could have one of those series where we can't make contact and we end up losing, and we almost did. I mean, Jock Peterson saved us in that series. Absolutely, two timely home runs, or we might not get out of that round. But when we had the Dodgers again, I just knew that that was what they were waiting on all year long. They put everything in, just like LA had put everything. If LA had played Houston last year, they would have kicked their ass. Because mm-hmm. they wanted so bad. They beat the Rays, but they, they would have whooped the Astros because that was what mm-hmm. they wanted. They, they had their target on Houston all year for what happened with the scandal, the sign stealing and all that. But Atlanta, I think Atlanta was targeting the Dodgers. Now, it's going to be harder to beat Houston to me because the emotions worn off of all that. Now you've done mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I think this is a whole different animal. But I had a complete confidence they could beat the Dodgers if they got another crack at them. The question was all year long, are they even going to get a chance? Because they might not win the East. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think around game uh, <laughs> 80 to 100, yeah, we literally it was up in the air. Uh, even after that, man, I thought when Acuna went down, it was over. And, and I thought when we couldn't, I mean, when we couldn't get over 500, 
I thought it was probably over. But then what, what I did see was the Mets weren't pulling away. And mm-hmm. I never had any confidence at all that the Phillies were going to win the East. Mm-hmm. Because the Phillies, to me, are the epitome of mediocrity. They have one great – two pretty good pitchers, one great one, and one pretty good one. And then about three guys in the lineup. And everybody else on that team isn't even good enough to play in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So I knew we had a better roster. And once – obviously, Anthopolis won the division for us. I mean, you and I have talked about that. The GM won the division. Yep. This one, I mean, the, 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 the moves in midseason. And then, of course, bringing uh, Peterson and, Infant, and I mean, in uh, Rosario and uh, Solaire. Probably not Duvall. He's been a Brave before. He kind of has the Brett Snicker mentality. But those three guys in the clubhouse probably shook up a clubhouse that had gotten kind of uh, stad maybe a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, a little bit too straight laced, probably with the the guys we had, other than Albies. But when you lose Acuna, you needed somebody else like that with that energy. I think that was the difference. But um, I knew I really felt like we were going to beat LA, and I, there was no rational reason to think that when you look at what they have on paper. But <laughs> I just I just felt like last year we were we were Adam Duvall got hurt in the very first at bat of that series, and we had to play Pache when he wasn't quite ready. And that mm-hmm. was an automatic out. And I felt yep. like if, I felt like if Duvall was healthy and if Acuna hadn't had a bad series, Atlanta would have beaten them last year. And now we had home field. So I wasn't even surprised we beat the Dodgers. It just got really scary the way the series played out because we gagged game three, and that changed everything. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just the way that game went down. And then, I, I mean, you, you know you were walking into – a 3-1 situation and you know it's where we were last year when everything went to hell and and you can't help but think about what could happen and you're just waiting for something bad to happen and you know it's a testament to this team I mean this I mean you're you're 100 right it's just they knew what they had to do to finish the job this is what they worked at it was it was apparent and I mean they rose to the occasion and then some I mean we got we got all the guys to buy in the midseason acquisitions um, I mean, it, it seems like they've been there for years, you know, the way everyone has just come together. So, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing the way everything happened. And looking back on it, you, you know, you wouldn't change anything except for the fact that you never want to see injuries like Acuna and, and uh, Soroka like that. I mean, that's terrible. I mean, hopefully these guys get back to 100% because, um, you know, they're just special players. But, you know, the way they had to grind throughout the season and, you know, rise up and and then still get a chance to play the Dodgers was pretty cool so you can't help but you know root for them to go even further one more step but you're right um it's hard to turn your back on what you just did you took down the mighty Dodgers and now you've got the mighty Astros coming in right after that and their lineup is just as fierce as as the Dodgers I mean some would argue yeah, no, absolutely, no question. Their lineup might even be better, top to bottom. Uh, game Game five, I got a funny stat for you. You might have seen this one. When, when uh, Chris Taylor hit three homers and A.J. Pollock hit two, mm-hmm. it was only the third time in baseball history that teammates had homered twice in the same game in the playoffs. <laughs> That's wild. I've forgotten who the second one was, but the first one was Ruth and Gehrig. Oh, my gosh. So the Braves <laughs> managed to give up something, to, do something that Ruth and Gehrig did. <laughs> our pitching staff so that was kind of a scary stat to see that before game six 
But uh, and and of course, game. I I texted you, and I don't know. If, I don't know if you saw it before you actually watched it because I know you were watching it behind. But that Rosario home run in the fourth inning, I believe, was the biggest Braves hit in twenty plus years. Oh, it was absolutely money. And I was behind, and that's why I didn't answer you right away. Um, I didn't mean to give up the ghost on what happened, but you know. Yeah, no, no, no. I during in games like this where I know that there's going to be. You just you don't know, look at your phone. I literally put my phone away for the first hour, hour and a half until I can get caught up. Yeah. But, I mean, when when that ball went over the right field fence, I mean, I can't even tell you. The <laughs> Emma was asleep, of course, so <laughs> my celebration was kind of uh, <laughs> kind of subdued. But on the inside, I mean, yes, I, I knew how big of a hit it was. I, I knew the perspective. I, I knew exactly what it meant and what it could mean and it was just it was unbelievable I mean just 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 the way he rose to the occasion again just again and again and again and again throughout the series um can't say enough about Eddie um just the entire team I mean it's a a pretty special team not the team we we thought we were going to (laughs) have coming into this world series um we all had an idea what the team would look like and it wasn't this um but it's still special uh, nonetheless well, the uh, yeah that that at bat was one of the greatest at bats you'll ever see. It, it really he got, there, he got behind O two in the count, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And there was one fastball in particular. I can't remember the sequence exactly, but Eddie was seeing the ball so well, it was actually pretty terrifying because he took a fastball. I swear it was two inches off the plate. Um, it, it was away. They pitched him away on that one. Um, two inches off the plate, um, you know, a little high in the strike zone, but a strike nonetheless, if it was a little more inside. And the way he laid off it, yeah. I, he just absolutely knew it was a ball. I, I mean, the way that he was seeing the strike zone and the ball, I had a feeling something good was going to happen at that yeah. point when he laid off that pitch. It was hard to describe, but it was kind of eerie. I'm like, there's they, no one would have laid off that pitch. Nobody. Nobody in the right mind. Freddie wouldn't have laid off that pitch. He's got one of the best eyes in baseball. And I, I had a feeling that something pretty special was going to happen. I didn't know it was going to be that special, but um, yeah, Eddie came through and then some. Yeah, I I thought uh, it, it reminded me of 30 years ago, Brian Hunter in the first inning against the Pirates in game seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, hit a, I think it was a three run homer that gave Smoltz the lead, but he never gave up. But I, I remember when, when Hunter hit that ball, I was like, oh my God, we may go to the World Series. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought the other night. We were gonna have to do something really stupid not to go to the World Series, and we yep. almost did. <laughs> we almost did. But thanks to Tyler Matzik, we survived. So yeah, yeah. Talk about the savior of the night. I mean, obviously Eddie's savior number one, but man, what Tyler did was, you know, we'll be, we'll be talking about it for for generations to come. You know, if we can, you know, pull off this World Series. I mean, it was just a well, he special. Won't, he won't have to buy a meal in Atlanta the rest of his life. No, that was one of the most clutch special relief performances I've ever seen. I, I oh, mean, me it's, it, you just, it doesn't get any better than that. I mean, the entire pre- – I mean, everybody. The, the pressure of the entire city was on him, needing just three strike. I mean, just go strike out three straight for us, Tyler. No big deal, right? And it's, it's just it, – it was amazing. It was, it, was, it was fun to watch and – um, I just hope we can keep riding it. You know, if if we don't, if we come up short, I mean, obviously it's going to hurt. I mean, we'll talk about predictions in a second, but um, what this team has accomplished this year is nothing short of remarkable, in my opinion. 
that guy's going to be able to tell his grandparents, grandkids that he struck out Albert Pujols and Mookie Betts. Yeah. With the game on the line. Yeah. With some absolutely filthy pitches. I mean, just. <laughs> well, it was just against Mookie. It was just your best against my best. Yeah. Just, yep. Just, you know what? Here we go. And <laughs> just absolutely blew him away. That was, that was incredible. Mookie Betts had a weird postseason that it seemed like I never saw him get a hit, but every time you looked at his average in the playoffs, it's like 341 or something. Yeah, like, it is. For doing all this. It's pretty strange how often he gets on base and, you know, he just, you know, wasn't scoring runs or whatever, doing those, you know, highlight real plays. But, yeah, Mookie just – if he's not getting it done one way, he just finds a way to do something else to, you know, to influence the game. But, you know, that's Mookie. And, you know, thank God we just kept it in the ballpark against him he had a lot of walks in our series he had a lot of hits against the giants but he just he was pretty quiet against atlanta other than the stolen bases yeah exactly i mean yeah we couldn't have we couldn't have asked for more as far as holding him down i mean if you go into go into a series and you're told this is what mookie does for the entire series i mean absolutely you, you take that and run with it well now that we're here um you do you feel like do you feel like we're going to be America's going to be rooting for a Georgia sports team for the first time in a long time because we're playing the Astros, or is all forgiven in the the cheating scandal? No, no, I, I still think we are the uh, the very overwhelming favorite as far as the uh, the country, as far as baseball fans in the world. I, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not the it's not quite the same hatred that it was. I mean, even though we have a, a questionable team name and we still are playing the tomahawk chop music without asking our fans to move their arms in a <laughs> in a motion as if we're doing it. Yeah, I told Hillary that. I'm like, I think we I think we were supposed to get rid of the tomahawk chop, but I'm still seeing quite a lot of it. <laughs> I wonder if that Cardinals pitcher's still in the big leagues that complained about it. I don't think he is. I don't think he is. We don't either. care anymore. Yeah, do not care. But yeah, I feel like we've we've got the support of the country. I feel like everyone's a Braves fan or an Atlanta fan for once in their lives. So you know what? Let's let's take it and ride with it. And obviously, it's not going to help us much in Houston. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think uh, everyone's on our side for once in our lives. We'll see. I don't know the the vitriol toward Houston, toward the Astros died down a lot quicker than I thought it would. I think COVID's just made everybody too depressed about real real issues. Yeah, no, I, Base, I agree. Baseball's just not significant enough for anybody to really stay angry. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's another thing that COVID took from us. I mean, not just, you know, the, the, the people, the lives and the, the misfortunes of people that lost businesses and whatever. But, I mean, we can't even be angry at the Astros like we should be. We sh- I'm hoping people bring trash cans to the World Series, but I'm not counting on it. Yeah, I'm not counting on it either. I mean, I mean, it, it's, it's cool that we have kind of a postseason history against the Astros. And granted, it's only in the NLDS. I don't think we ever played them in the NLCS. We did not. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's kind of a – not a rivalry reborn, but we, we've seen each other. So, maybe there's still a few, you know, fans out there that really hate the Astros that <laughs> – really want to do something to show their hate. <laughs> we were in the division with them for years in the old West, the old NL West. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I feel like there was never like a, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you get that. It wasn't, it wasn't like the, the Phillies, you know what I mean? It, it wasn't like the Mets. It wasn't bitter, but like the two teams were both good at the same time. Well, we had the great pitchers and they had the great lineup. Yeah. Those yeah. Absolutely. Good battles. 
they they were the Bagwells and Biggios and yeah of the world. Yeah, it was it was fun times. I remember those days. It was a long time ago. <laughs> uh, so brass tacks, getting down to it. I mean, how do you think we match up? What 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 do you think is going to be the determining factor in who wins this? All right. So I was I was crunching the numbers today. Um, seeing as how until the playoffs, I'd barely watched any of these teams. I probably wasn't the person to ask, but um, the pitching staffs look like they're almost the same mm-hmm. numbers wise. A little bit different. I think Atlanta's bullpen's a little bit better, probably, and their rotation might be slightly better. It's a little bit deeper, but no Lance McCullers, possibly. Yep. So um, it sounds like he's definitely done, from what I'm hearing. A banged up Zach Greinke, who probably is a game four starter, if anything. Yeah, game four starter, maybe two, maybe three innings, maybe. Yeah, but he is Zach Greinke, so he is, still he's he is, still a little scary. He is scary. Uh, the defenses are both elite. Mm-hmm. Um, from looking at the met, from looking at all the numbers, uh, I, I figured Atlanta was better than them defensively, but they're not. Houston's right there with Atlanta. Oh, that's kind of surprising. Uh, they're both like top five defenses in the league. They're both about top ten to twelve pitching staffs. Almost all of our, all, almost all every stat pitching wise, we were between like seven and twelve in the league. Mm-hmm. Both teams, and they were almost like next to each other, and they were almost they were like third and fourth in fielding in just about every metric. So they were right there next to each other in that too. Hitting is where Houston differentiates a little bit. Uh, Atlanta looked like they were around like seven or eight in offense also in baseball, somewhere between like six and ten. And then Houston is in the top three in just about every category. That's, that's what I was going to say. Uh, it seems like that's where they just reign supreme on everybody. I think they the number of runs they've scored this year is just astronomically higher than everybody else. I mean, well, except the Blue Jays. Ex- they yeah. Were, they were right there. Toronto was with them in every stand. Boston was pretty close, too. But but the, the, the only real difference, uh, and it's a big one, and I think it's why I would pick the Astros, they strike out uh, less than just about anybody, and Atlanta's way up the list in strikeouts, like top ten in the MLB. Mm-hmm. Um, so they make contact. I think that's the biggest thing in October is putting the ball in play. Mm-hmm. I think more than anything, especially after watching those Royals teams, like as much pressure as you can put on the opponent just by putting the ball in play in a league where most people don't put the ball in play, mm-hmm. that to me is the big advantage for Houston. Uh, Atlanta's only offensive advantage I saw was that we hit more homers than them. Mm-hmm. We were third in the big leagues in homers, and they were like seventh or something. We almost flipped positions. We were like seventh or eighth in the big leagues in almost everything, and Houston was like top three in pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. First, second, yeah. or third. I think you hit the nail on the head with, with your last one. I, I, I think what it's going to come down to, in my opinion, is timely home runs with people on base. It's going to have to be a couple of those Eddie Rosario type hits. And when have that, the Braves ever done that in October? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. So it's we've got our work cut out for us because I because I agree with everything you said. I was looking at it too. Like I said, I was before we would get on tonight, but. It seems like pitching is for the most part a wash. Um, I like you said, I would give our bullpen the slightest edge. I mean, not even a huge edge, but a slight uh, edge. Yeah, not a huge edge. Um, yeah, defense. Um, I, I thought we were a little better, to be quite honest. So, um, I mean, it sounds like that's mainly a wash based on what you just said. 
Um, I think Correa having a ridiculous year defensively probably boosted their whole team's numbers. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's absolutely disgusting what he does. Um, geez, Louise, and he, then he was far and away the leader and runs, you know, runs saved or whatever. All those, all the metrics, fielding runs, total fielding runs, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. He's by uh, far the leader in uh, defensive wins above replacement and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, I will tell you one thing. I'm pretty excited that Morton's going in game one. I mean, obviously, I think that's our biggest advantage. I, I think I would start Morton in game one because um, I, I think Freed's going to be on regular rest, too. I think Morton's going to have six days of rest. So, it, I, I mean, you can go with either one, really. Correct um, me if I'm wrong, though. Didn't the Dodgers rough him up in game one last year? It, it, they did. They, okay. they did. They did. But uh, I, I feel – I feel like throwing Morton into game one, I, I still like that a little better than Freed in in a World Series, you know, setting. Have um, you have you looked into – and I have not. Have you looked into what his numbers were against Houston when he was on Tampa? Because they should know him. They, they, they should. And, I've, I mean, it should be pretty good because, I mean, just based on his, his entire numbers, you know, throughout the year, I mean, I don't think they hit him that much. Um, I'll have to double check, but I mean, he was—I mean, he was a Cy Young candidate all year. I don't think anyone really had their way with him. But yes, obviously they're going to know him. Um, but at the same time, I think Morton's going to know—you know—know them pretty well as well. So I, I like him going in Game One more than I like Freed. Um, you know, I, I could be completely wrong, and Morton gets rocked in three innings. But I, I, I like going with experience in Game One in a World Series in all situations, in my opinion. Uh yeah, I mean Freed's coming off a terrible start the other the other night when I thought he might close out LA. That obviously didn't happen, so I'm not excited to have him back on the mound soon. No, no, and I was I was utterly convinced he was going to close him out. I I really was. I convinced myself the uh, celebration was going to go that night. Yeah, that didn't happen. No, not even close. It was it was utterly it was it was pretty bad to, to put mildly. So. Um, I think this is a good spot for Morton. I, I think I, I wouldn't want to throw Freed into a game one situation after what he went through. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I mean. It, Charlie's 3-0 and against the Astros since he left Houston. Is he? Yeah, he beat him right. twice in the playoffs last year. Okay. Well, that makes so, me feel even better about it. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, it's a different – different series i mean it's a different everything's different obviously but um he has that history so that's good to know um it's just it's going to be a matter of you know what we can do against some of those i mean not just altuve not just the ones we know i mean we all know altuve we all know correa but i mean the lesser known soon to be up and coming superstars alvarez and tucker i I mean those are left-handed bats that have just been absolutely blistering the ball and our lefties out of the bullpen are just going to have to keep dominating those guys um, while also trying to navigate, you know, the Bregmans and Correas of the world. I mean, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. (laughs) Well, I thought it was mysterious why the Dodgers struggled so much against lefties when they had a heavily right-handed lineup. It it is pretty strange, isn't it? (laughs) I didn't understand. I I don't, Mookie Betts has been struggling since he's been a Dodger against left-handed pitching. I don't quite understand that. But I don't think that we're going to be able to get away with throwing lefties over and over again at Altuve, Correa, Bregman, and Guriel. No, no, absolutely, <laughs> I mean, no. I mean, these are 
I mean, these are silver sluggers. I mean, Al- Altuve and uh, uh, Uriel, I believe. Um, Uriel's so, a batting champ. Yeah. I mean, I'm. It's it, it's going to be tough. I mean, this three batter rule is really going to come in to hurt <laughs> to hurt us this series. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, they really do alternate. You know, up all the way down their lineup. I mean, I think it really does alternate lefty righty, lefty righty, all the way down to number eight. Um, so it, it's going to be tough. I mean, it's just going to have you're just going to have to make pitches at the end of the day. Yeah, we'll have the advantage hopefully against some of these guys if we can't get the lefties out. With some of our left-handers, I mean, the series is over. It's going to be a short series because um, at some point Altuve and Correa and Bregman, I mean, they're going to have those hits. I mean, they have the entire postseason, so it, it, it's tough. We're up against we're up against a lot here, and um, I don't want to say game one is a must-win situation, but I feel like we needed a hell of a lot more than Houston does. <laughs> I think you're right about that. It's hard. I think it's big for both either team, though, because they, if they lose the first, I mean, if Houston loses game one, even if they get game two, you got three in Atlanta. You so do. There's a pretty good chance you're going to come back to Houston down three two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the two three two. I've always been, I've always been torn on whether that's how I I want it. I mean, I, I, well, you mean if you're the whole, if you if you got home field, is it an advantage? Exactly. I'm not right. sure if I have home field, if that's how I want it to play out. It is out. if you go up 2-0. If you're it, it, not, abs- then you're in some trouble. It, exactly. I mean, and that's where, you know, us getting game one can really put some pressure on Houston because um, they know they got to get one. They, they can't go back to Atlanta down 0-2, I, I don't think. Even with – I mean, Ian Anderson might get rocked. I mean, I mean <laughs> he might get absolutely – rocked but if he gets behind um, in the count as much as he did in the Dodgers series yeah 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 I mean he just he just it was that was one of Snickers best things that he realized one of his best calls that he made in the series was was taking Ian out and pinch hitting at that time because I mean yeah we it was two outs yeah there was only you know one runner on a slow runner on first yeah but I mean it was apparent that if Ian was in there for another inning I I think the game might have gotten out of hand yeah maybe so um, obviously, we'll never know, but he he wasn't hitting his spots, and you know he he's shown a penchant for that. When he when he's not hitting his spots, he he's going to walk a lot of guys, and then he's going to give up that big hit. And he was already giving up some pretty loud outs earlier, and um, in that inning, so um, kind of backing up a little bit, obviously. But uh, I like the fact that we can start Morton hopefully get game one and then, you know, free can hopefully forget what happened in LA, you know, pitch freely and, you know, see what happens in game two. Can you um, pitch freely against that lineup? I, I, I you really can't, but um, there's nowhere go, to hide. I mean, there's nowhere to hide in that lineup unless you're no. facing Maldonado. Yep. And that's it. You got to get all the way down to nine for that. So and he could still hit one out. Yep. Yep. So yeah, we got our, we got our work cut out for us. I mean, in my heart of hearts, <laughs> I, I, I want to pick the Braves. I, I really do. I, I really want to think it's our destiny to finish this off. Um, I bet the Astros think it's their destiny to come back from the cheating scandal. And be yeah, a- absolutely. I, and I'm sure they're living that up, too. You know, whatever they got to do to convince themselves that, you know, we're a great team and, you know, we're going to prove it and we don't need trash well, cans. Correa's and- told us we've done nothing wrong. 
We have nothing yeah. to be ashamed of. Yeah, Korea. Yeah, Korea just owning it. So whatever we did, what we did, and it wasn't wrong. We just got caught. That was what was wrong about it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's pretty much all he said on this. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing, but you know, dumbfounding and amazing. But anyway, um, yeah, we've got our work cut out for us, and you know, I, I want to pick the Braves. I mean. But in my head, I just look at that lineup and I, I, I see the, the, left, the lefty-righty combination going all the way down the lineup. And I'm not sure that we're going to be able to get enough outs <laughs> before people start getting on base. And then we, they're, just, they're so good at getting timely hits and just, just tearing the cover off the ball. They've scored so many runs this year. And we thought maybe this was the year that they would kind of be down a little bit. Maybe their starting rotation wouldn't quite be there. I think I said and, that. Yeah, um, I, I, I agreed with you. I didn't think, you know, they would be able to get as far as they have. I thought the rotation would, would catch up to them, and it, it hasn't. And, you know, even without McCullers, I mean, they, <laughs> the way they were able to silence the Red Sox backs, that's the last two games. Um it just shows that, you know, they can bring it to when they need it. And it's going to be a tough, it's going to be tough, but I, I, I hope it goes seven, you know, obviously I hope it goes four and we just win in four, <laughs> but um, I'm just hoping for a long series and, you know, where the chips fall, you know, where, whatever happens, we'll see. Well, would you agree um, I'm not sure we're as good as the Nationals were in 19. I would say we're probably not because they had Scherzer and Strasburg. Mm-hmm. Would you agree that this, this Astros team pales in comparison to having Verlander and Cole going four times in a seven-game series? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I really thought that they might not make it this far. <laughs> well, I mean, I just think they're more beatable than they were, and they got beat. My point is they got beat two years ago, and they were way more more unbeatable then to me. And mm-hmm. they were cheating. They, they were cheating, Maybe. yes. Maybe. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> but, I mean, in 17, they may still be cheating. We don't know. But yeah, in, we don't in, know. in 17, uh, they had a sketchy bullpen that reared its ugly head many times in that World Series. But they had Verlander, Keichel, Morton, and McCullers in the rotation. Their lineup, I would say, was about the same as this one. Mm-hmm. Their lineup, I mean, their lineups are pretty much you sub Tucker for Springer, uh, sub Brantley for Reddick and Gonzalez, mm-hmm. and uh, your catcher you lose a little bit of the bat not having McCann, but I mean then you then you add in Alvarez in place of uh, uh, Beltran or whoever as mm-hmm. an improvement, but then yeah. you have the same infield. So to me, their lineup is pretty much the same as 17 and 19 with different pieces, but quality-wise. Mm-hmm. That's fair. But, but your starting pitching is an enormous drop-off from having Verlander and Cole and so forth. Mm-hmm. But the bullpen might be a little bit better. But I just – I mean, Atlanta – to me, Atlanta's not as – they're definitely not as good as the 17 Dodgers. They're probably not as good as the 19 Nationals. But they may not have to be, and they might can still win it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I, I completely follow you. I, I mean, I don't think, I don't think getting hits or runs off their starters is going to be some insurmountable or just monumental thing that we just can't do. Um, so you're thinking it's going to be a high-scoring series based on that? Uh, yes. Assessment that we're yes. talking games where 
there's actually base runners, unlike some of these playoff games we've watched. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm talking like, you know, eight, seven games, eight, six games, maybe even higher than that. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, at some point one of these teams touched double double digits. Well, the yeah, the Astros will in one of these games. They'll yeah. have one of those 12-run games. But yeah. the um, but the, from looking at the stats this year, the Brewers and Dodgers were 1-2 in almost every pitching category in MLB. Mm-hmm. And, and we survived them. Mm-hmm. So you got to think offensively with Solaire back, especially. We're gonna. I agree. We're gonna be better offensively against the Astros probably than we've been in either series so far. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. But then that comes down to will we be? Will we strike out? You know, are we gonna put the ball in play enough? That's where I mean. Mm-hmm. If we have ten strikeouts a game, I don't see how we can win the World Series. If we have seven, I think we can. Yeah. Because in that case, we're probably putting people on base and hitting two-run shots as opposed to solo shots. Right, or just making putting pressure on their defense. Mm-hmm. Make, forcing them and forcing Altuve to get yippy again, you know. Like, make, you know, just make them have to do things. Mm-hmm. And then I think Atlanta's got a pretty good chance. I'm, I'm skeptical we can do that. I still think they're going to hit the ball more than we will. I would love yeah. to see a shootout World Series like you're talking about, though. I don't know if that's what we'll get. That'd be fun. Yeah, I I've, I think we will get a couple of games at least. I mean, I, I think it's fair to say that, you know, we're probably going to score, I, I would hope, at least, you know, five runs a game. I think we're, we're going to need to score at least five runs a game to even have a chance, to be quite honest. I agree. Maybe six. Maybe. Maybe six. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a lot to ask on a on a game-by-game basis. In a World Series and cold yeah. weather and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, but, um, it hasn't turned very cold here, and they'll probably be playing with the roof closed in Houston, so that might even be a thing. Yeah, that's true. We're sp- we're we'll be in the high six. Well, I don't know, not at game time. Probably be in the fifties this weekend. It looks like that's not bad. No, I mean we'll still the ball probably won't carry like it would in summertime, but it won't be any worse than it did in the Dodger series. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't. I don't really know. I would, if I had to pick, I'd pick Astros in seven, because the teams look identical except their lineup looks a little bit better, and that's the only difference I could find. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty much right there with you. Um, just I I was thinking Astros in six. So I mean, it, nothing would. I mean, it would not shock me at all to go seven. I mean, I, I really think they're pretty evenly matched, like we like we just discussed. Um, so I think we're going to have a good World Series. I don't think it's going to be short by any stretch for either side. Um, so it's just going to come down to timely hitting. I mean, there's going to be runs that are scored, in my opinion. It's just it's going to take, you know, like I said, a few of those Eddie Rosario hits, um, you know, big Austin Riley, you know, double down the line with two runners on. We're just we, – we got to keep the pressure on. We, like, we got to keep putting the ball in play. we got to get timely hits. Because um, we're going to give up some runs. I mean, at the end of the day, I think we know it. Um, I don't think there's any surprise in that. No, the the Nationals kept them in check a few years ago, but they just had they had resources to do that that we don't have. We aren't going to pull yeah. Steven Strasburg on the into the game. So no, no. So we don't have anything like that. Nope, we don't. So. We're gonna to have to mash with them, so you know, and and we've proven we can do it at times. I mean, not to say that we can't win a shootout. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens. I'm 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 optimistic. 
like I said, my heart wants to pick the Braves in seven, but my, my head sa- says pick the Astros in six. I'm not real optimistic um, in terms of us winning. Uh, I don't know why. Like I said, I felt really good coming to the Dodgers series. I don't feel necessarily really good that we're going to win this. But I'm not going to be crushed if we don't, as long as we don't do something stupid, just give it to them. Uh, I'm just happy to be back in it and playing. I don't, I'm, yeah, just, I, I'm looking forward to watching it. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait. I mean, 1999 just seems like eternity ago, and it's just fun to see. And we were know, barely ha- in that World Series. That one lasted like a couple days. Yeah. <laughs> that was a terrible World Series. It really was. It was very, very forgettable for many reasons. Um, so, yeah, it's just fun to be back and to see this team, you know, get to this point, you know, when everyone, you know, myself included, didn't think they had a chance in hell, you know, a couple months back. So, it, you know, whatever happens, happens. Like you said, I'm not going to be destroyed either way. Um, you know, as long as, you know, if we're up 3-0 and we just choke away four straight yeah. games, that's a, di- yeah. that's, a different, that's a different story. That'll be bad. Yeah, but I, I mean, if that, I think, I think – uh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say real quick, I think not having Acuna is going to play a role in this one. Yeah, it, it absolutely has to. I mean, we have to have – we need all the firepower we need um, that we can possibly get. And, you know, missing him, I mean, just that leadoff batter, I mean, he, he just sets the tone. Um, not that Rosario. I mean, I assume you keep Rosario in the leadoff position. I mean, do you move him down? Saber uh, analytics say you give him as many at bats as you can, so you keep yeah. him at the one. But yeah, you'd love to have him with people on base too. Yeah, and that's that's the damned if you do, damned if you don't thing. Because I'm torn on that too, and you know I'll be interested interested to see what Snicker does. But um, do you do you slide Solaire back in the leadoff position as the DH, and then move Rosario down? I, I don't know. Um, no, I'm hitting Rosario one. I'm going to hit Albies two and make him have to turn him around if you want to have a lefty face Freeman. Yep. The three nope, batter right. minimum, I'm going to hit. I'm a, I would hit him above Freeman. Yep, you're right. Yep, and then absolutely. I would, and then, and then, but then you got to get. Uh, I don't know. Then you have a whole stack full of right-handed hitters in a row. So I don't know. That'd be it'll be interesting to see what they do there because you would have you'd have to put Peterson somewhere in between Duvall and Raleigh. Mm-hmm. And then you still have Swanson and Darno down at the bottom, so you got a lot of right-handed bats there. If you put Solaire further down the lineup, yeah, yeah, and, and you're right. I think that might be what they have to do. Um, so it's it's tough. I mean, we'll see how Game One plays out. I mean, and there may be some uh, lineup changes after Game One, depending on how everything rolls. Well, I think not. Well, maybe yeah, maybe in the way they maybe the way they set it up. But I think the nine are easy because you can just DH Solaire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, in Houston, I think in Atlanta, you just go with the four outfielders. You just see who's hot. Yeah. Play the three hot guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's yeah, you're right. In Houston, it's a it's a walk in the park. I mean, there's no decision to be made. Just a few, uh, you know, hitters here and there as far as where they're actually going to bat. Um. But yeah, that's a. Uh, it's it's easier for us coming back home though, because Houston's got a your Alvarez either got to play first or left. Yeah, and, and they'll they'll put Alvarez in left, I think. Um, yeah, but you take Brantley's bat out. Yeah, but I don't think you can sit Alvarez. You know, I mean, you can't sit Alvarez. No, you can't I mean, sit Alvarez. I agree, but Brantley can't play center anymore either. No, he can't. So it's a uh, yeah. I mean, it is it is easier for us. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. Tucker might could slide to center. You can put Brantley in right and take McCormick out. Yeah, that's actually that's- what I was. 
That's what I was going to say. I, I, I think Tucker could handle it. I mean, better than uh, uh, <laughs> better than Gavin Lux did. Def- defense is overrated in baseball. I mean, every now and then it comes into play like Gavin Lux, but you can you can hide somebody for three games. Mm-hmm. You, you can't really can. for 162, but you can get it. You might have one play in the World Series that that guy would that can't make that somebody else would have, but you take mm-hmm. that if they hit two homers in three games. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you play the odds. You're right. Um, uh, all these last guys. Thing, last thing before we go, uh, the two managers, the uh, oldest uh, oldest duo ever to manage in the World Series. I think I saw combined ages. Yep. Yep, um, I believe I saw that too. Uh, my first memory of Brian Snicker was when I was eight years old. He was managing the Macon Braves. I used to stand outside the clubhouse to get autographs. <laughs> he was always uh, extremely accommodating. He came back for another uh, another stint when I was like 12 or 13. But uh, pretty pretty amazing for a minor league lifer, somebody who's been in the Braves organization since Jimmy Carter was president, to uh, to get a chance at the World Series. Yeah, I was going to say, did you ever in your wildest dreams think that a, a minor league lifer in the, uh, in, in the making, uh, in, your, in your neck of the woods, would uh, be managing the Braves in the biggest series of our lives? <laughs> no, I mean, I, you know, he didn't. He, didn't, he was great at, uh, at, you know, he was a great guy. And uh, I'm sure he was great at, uh, at uh, tutoring players and everything. Our team didn't win much when he was here. But he didn't have a whole lot to work with, especially that first year. I think those late 90s teams had a little bit more pitching. Because mm-hmm. that was when we had Jason Marquis and a few others coming up. But the the, the team, the first team he had, our, our 91 team was when the first year they brought him back, we had Chipper. And he wasn't the manager of that one. But this, so we had, we had like all these, there was all this pandemonium over Chipper being the number one overall pick and all that. We had him on our team, so they were selling out and all this stuff. And then mm-hmm. that 92 team was awful. We had <laughs> no – I don't even – maybe like Tony Graffinino might have been on that team or something. We had hardly anybody who ended up making the big leagues. So, I remember he was around for all that because I was going to a lot of their games back then. But – uh and then we had Andrew in 95. He wasn't the manager then, but he moved up and down. But, I mean, I think he won a couple championships in the minors, but I don't know how you know how good somebody is as a manager. kind of just depends on what you've got. I mean, it really is. I've, I've always been a little like, eh, I mean, how much does it really, really matter? I mean, I'm not trying to dismiss anybody. I mean, obviously there's been great managers, but it really is hard to put a kind of a price tag on how good a manager is uh, until you see kind of what he's working with. Well, I think, uh, I think with Snicker – the, the the upside and the downside is that he manages exactly like his mentor, Bobby Cox. Mm-hmm. So all the same problems that afflicted us in those postseasons in the 90s very much could come into play again with him mm-hmm. and have at times the last few years. But by the same token, when you manage like Bobby Cox, the locker room is uh, you know in kumbaya mode for a whole summer. No mm-hmm. matter what else is going around, going around you, he rides his guys. His guys love him, and they show up and play, and that's how we won the division title. I believe yep. just as much as Anthopolis, Snicker, I didn't say it before, but Snicker played just as big a role in keeping this team afloat and actually getting it done. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it's, uh, yeah, kind of 
yeah, it'd be it'd be wrong not to mention him um, as far as you know galvanizing this team and bringing them together through everything they went through. Because you know, at the end of the day, I mean, he is the leader. So, um, yeah, props to him. I mean, hopefully he can bring it home. These definitely aren't two sabermetric guys that are going at it in the World Series. No, and they'll be uh, every move they make is going to be second guessed by everybody. Yep, absolutely. And I, some of that stuff gets to be a little crazy because I don't know that. I don't know when Snicker put Adrianza in to pinch hit for Anderson if he knew he was going to be a genius. And I don't know if when he put Luke Jackson out there if he knew he'd be an idiot. Mm-hmm. It just happened the way it happened. But um, they'll they'll certainly infuriate some of the modern analytics people during this series, I'm sure. Oh, there's no doubt. I can't wait to read about it. I mean, I mean, at the same time, like you, I really don't care to read about it, but I get entertained by some of these keyboard warriors. <laughs> Funny thing though, Bob, you know, Bobby won 14 in a row. I could see Snicker going on a run like that. I'm not saying this Braves team's going to win 14, but he could win eight or nine in a row because he, I mean, he just has complete command of the clubhouse. Those guys love playing for him. Yeah. I mean, will, it help, will it help us win a seven game World Series against the Astros? I have no idea. He may hurt in that regard, but. Mm-hmm. But uh, and then real quick, Dusty Baker. I was I'll be happy if he wins it. He's the only redeeming quality to the Astros for me. <laughs> I was gonna say if you can find one small thing to root for, it's Dusty, and and that's it. It's only Dusty. Yeah, I love watching Altuve and Correa though. This might be the last ride. I mean, there, there's definitely people don't think Correa is gonna resign, which is amazing to me that they're not gonna pay him whatever he wants. But yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been yeah I've been hearing it for weeks now that Correa is basically gone and like this is it and I'm just like but why? Well, they they think the Tigers they think AJ Hinch is going to throw three hundred million at him, but if <sighs> I'm Jim if I'm Jim Crane I pay him and just we'll let Correa and Altuve go into old age together. Yeah, I, I mean they had really have been fun to watch. I mean it's it's <laughs> an amazing just an amazing infield. Yeah. Um, you just hate to see that get broken up, um, especially when you don't have to let it get broken up. But, um, yeah, Correa has, has become almost the heartbeat of that team the way Altuve used to be. I agree with you. I'm going to throw one last stat at you. Uh, you may know this. I think of the uh, of like the 25 winningest managers ever, only Dusty and Gene Malk haven't won the World Series. Really? And of the of the of managers with the most win, career wins, and then if you look at postseason victories, uh, only of the top twenty five, only Dusty and Mike Hargrove haven't won championships. So he is the greatest manager of all time that hadn't won the World Series. That is wild. Yeah, I hate to have to root against him. <laughs> yeah, I'll gladly root against him, but I think he's Cooperstown bound if he wins. Yeah, I think so. I mean, this this is the uh, this is the nail in the coffin. This is this is the final thing. All those, um, all those toothpicks he chewed will be all worth it. Yep, absolutely. Every single last one of them. I wonder how many trees he's gone through. Uh, I, I remember <laughs> that uh, that first summer in 93 when the Braves ran him down. He won 103 and went home. Mm-hmm. I loved every second of it. Yep, yep. And I'll love it all over again Barry, starting on Tuesday. Barry Bonds came up to David Justice at the All-Star break and said there was no chance we were going to run him down. But little <laughs> did he know we were going to go get Crime Dog. Yep, and and it's all history from there. It's all history from there. <laughs> Fourteen in a row. Oh man, good times. So hopefully, we can even even come close to touching that again. Yeah, if uh, 
this one, this one feels like '91 again. I mean, it does. It's a little, little. I mean, I don't think, I don't think there was an energy all summer long for this team, but there's been energy the last week in Georgia for sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, everything I read, everything I've seen online. I mean, yeah, it it, it seems to be just building to this absolute crescendo, and I I cannot wait for game three. I mean, I can't wait for game one, obviously, but game three, man. Whew. Did you see the ticket prices? No, I did not. What are they? They're well. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this: they're three hundred dollars per game higher in Atlanta than they are in Houston. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so Houston, you, Houston, the get-in price is around five hundred. Atlanta's oh. around eight hundred. Oh my god! Standing room yeah. only is eight hundred. You and Brandon gonna go? <laughs> Brandon's not going. I, I'm, I, I haven't ruled it out. I I I told him. Well, I didn't really tell Hillary. I just kind of said it, said it like kind of a, an aside. Like, man, I really would love to go to one of those games, and she didn't say a word to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I I haven't ruled it out. It'll be Friday or Sunday because I'm supposed to go to the cocktail party. So we'll see. Yeah, oh, I, I hate that I'm not going to be able to go. I'll, I'll literally have Emma the entire cocktail party. Well, so it. it it won't be quite the cocktail party that I'm uh, used to having. You won't have a you won't have a real cocktail party, but no, no, I'll, I'll have I'll have like two beers. That's the maximum. I'll I'll let you know how it goes. It could be a very entertaining weekend. We'll see how that how that shakes out. I haven't. I if I if I I'm still in the lottery for the uh, Braves through the Braves. Uh, you know, the ones left over from the season pig holder. Uh-huh. I said if I if I swing those I'm definitely going, and uh, if the Braves have a promising start in Houston I may fork over the money to go if, even if I don't get them so we'll see. Yeah, go secondary well. market, but I, I mean if we uh, we'll have to see how the how the series starts out. I'm not making any decisions until Thursday, so we'll see. I I feel you. Well, maybe uh well yeah there's probably like a point one percent chance that I'm able to swing it, but. You know, I'll, I'll let you know if something if a uh, miracle yeah, happens. I'm not counting on you. You have a lot going on, but yeah, yeah, exactly. There's like I said, maybe less than a point one percent chance, but you know, yeah. if a, if a miracle happens, and yeah, I'll I'll be in touch. <laughs> okay. Well, if we're if we go up three zero, I'll see if you call me. Do we want to go Saturday or Sunday? If we go up three zero, I'm gonna <laughs> find a way to be there for game four. <laughs> no, I don't. I. I can't see myself paying the kinds of prices that are uh, being offered on the secondary market right now. But oh no, uh, yeah, not well, for one, not for one baseball game. The, I was talking to somebody last night about the difference. Like, if you pay for Georgia in a national championship game, you know somebody's going to win a championship that night. It's true. If you pay crazy money to go see Game <laughs> Three, it's going to be forgotten twenty four hours later when they play Game Four. It's true. And then if you pay, and if you pay those those prices for game four up three zero, and you don't win it, damn. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. If 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 your team lost, having paid that, that would be a very frustrating situation. So it, it really would be. So I uh, I don't know that that's going to happen. But I, but but the the what's funny though is the money wise, it'd be cheaper to fly to Houston and go to a game there. Plane ticket and the game you could get in for cheaper than you're getting in in Atlanta this weekend. Man, yeah, there people are people are pretty excited. Yeah, well that's cool. I'm glad to hear that. All right, well it's been fun catching up. Yeah, it has been. We'll do it again sometime. Maybe we won't take off uh, two and a half months. 
next uh, time. <laughs> we can do it at the end of the World Series. We'll recap whatever whatever happens, excitement or or sadness. Yep, for sure. Well, maybe I'll do it live from the Braves parade or something. Oh man, that'd be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out here with Freddie Freeman. <laughs> Freddie, can you say a few words for us? <laughs> All right. Talk to you later, man. All right, man. Have a good one.